Captain's Log, Lady, dot, from Twin Peaks. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Dreadnought Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Joe Brandon, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... Where we learn the crew's backstory! Ease! Soy Trick the Podcast is here! One half vegan, one half queer! A hundred percent communist! Unless we have a less leftist guest! With Patrick and Britain! Talking, joking, farting, and shitting <laughs> all about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, the show is wrecked. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Hey. Hey, welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the podcast where two Trekkies ask themselves, what the fuck does Rock Talk eat? Yeah, that looked like shit. It always looks like <laughs> shit. Like, plus, I'm hungry for shit. I mean, it kind of it almost looks like the monster in uh, Sick Animation's um, Does. The, the Golden Dragon Club. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a different color. I know that thing's big and green. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of kind of the same form. It looked like what I left in your toilet. Oh, I don't want to know anything about that. If, if, if you want to know more information, listen to our Trek news from this week, uh, yeah. the first week of December, and Oof. you'll... Uh, you'll You'll hear us uh, discussing Pat take a big fat fucking dump for several minutes. It's very uh, informative Trek news. Yeah. Got black coffee is a dangerous game, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really like it. How do you like that coffee? Pretty it was really good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like yeah. That roast. yeah. That's why I chugged that shit. I was just yeah, like, yeah. man, it's, it's good it's, as fuck. Uh, I think uh, Pete's lightest roast. Mm. Like breakfast blend or something like that. Oh, really nice. nice. I like, yeah. a, like a real light roast coffee. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, steep for a good amount of time, mm-hmm. especially like French press. And so it's like real like oily and thick almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I love my coffee. I oh, love yeah. it. I love it. Blacker than the devil's heart. Oh, yeah. And then it just like makes you fucking diarrhea good stuff that happened yeah i mean that's that ha- man, i pretty much spend my days off just drinking chugging co- dooms chugging coffee and that's <laughs> just, just like rectifying your bowels from the rest of the week <laughs> so, yeah so that wasn't the first one of today yeah <laughs> just that's what i'm saying like, yeah <laughs> the weekend is for coffee fiber and vegetables yeah. the rest of the week nothing but morning star <laughs> nothing but morning star yeah then then weekends i just clear that out oh hell yeah we love, we love <laughs> That's 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 the real vegan way. That's the American vegan way. To do mm-hmm. yeah. uh, today uh, we got a new Trek episode. What's that Trek? Prodigy. Hell yeah! Let's get into it. Nothing but a prodigy thing, baby. Just two dumb assholes talking crazy. Soy Trek is a podcast that pays man. A cap, so please don't try to mace man. Hey, 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 it's Star Trek Prodigy in the his... Uh, I'm not going to do that one anymore. <laughs> That's very, like, early 2000s and extra cringe. Oh, yeah. But if we're not cringe, what are we? Yeah, who knows? We are not men. We are C-R-I-N-G. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about the newest Star Trek to be released, Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 16, Preludes. Yeah. Uh, released uh, yesterday, Thursday, December 1st, 2022. 
Now, this one was written by Kevin Dan Hageman, Julie Benson, Shauna Benson, Lisa Schultz Boyd, Nikhil S. John Aram, Deandra Pendleton Thompson, Chad Quain, and Aaron J. Walkie. I think like four of those have been previous writers on here, and the rest of them are staff writers. Yeah, that's why there's so many so many writers. But it makes sense though because yeah. this is kind of a vignette episode. Yeah, I wonder if is, they each had like their own little like. I, I think they did, and I'm I'm gonna say like Den, uh, Kevin and Dan Hageman had one sec- section. The two Bensons had a section, mm. uh, and maybe like because there's a couple of these writers that have actually worked together before, so maybe hmm. maybe they just kind of paired everyone up and they all got a different section. But well, however they did it, it, I think ended up pretty well for being such a big project but i assume most of this stuff is all done by writers rooms mm-hmm. it's just like most of the time i'm sure it's like someone comes in with like an initial script and then mm-hmm. everyone kind of punches it breaks it down whatever mm-hmm. uh but this one apparently was a much i mean they credited everyone so mm-hmm. unless they were really trying to do something cool and get like everyone like extra fucking union money or something mm. which could be the case people have done that before like given people like credit specifically to like help them get health care and shit like yeah. that. There's, there's a lot of reasons to do it but regardless i'm glad that they credited like their entire writers and, but, and plus it was able that you know able to also like offer different perspectives for each character yeah absolutely and, like so like all but, their each backstory was vastly different from yeah, the other one. And there's there's definitely a huge strength in like competent writers rooms full of diverse representation mm-hmm. all of whom really care about the product yeah uh and it's obvious like i think most of these writers like have written episodes that are in a way like you know like love letters to star trek mm-hmm. uh like uh i think uh, nikhil s Jayaram was the one where they had the the trek planet and mm-hmm. stuff like that and that was a fucking great episode yeah that was cool uh yeah and like yeah um, yeah uh fucking aaron j walkie's written a couple real good episodes and you know yeah it's just uh it's nice to see it's weird to see a fucking kid show that is like a very competent Trek show. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we've learned from a thing like discovery, no matter what, everything relies on the writing when it comes to Trek. And if you have bad writing and we learned that from Picard too, if you have bad writing, no matter what you do, no matter how good of actors and technicians and producers you have, you're going to come out with a either unsatisfactory or highly uh, divisive product. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, you know, Discovery's not objectively bad. It's just, like, not for me, and it's written in a way that I feel alienated as a longtime Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, having them have that flag, that is the flagship of their new Star Trek series, that very much alienated me. Yeah. Because I was like, eh, the first season was was, was all right, pretty good, I'd say. Yeah. And so I'm like... This has potential. I didn't love the first season, but you know what? What Trek has had a great first season? Exactly. But then Strange New Worlds came and proved, I mean, now proved that axiom. I mean, now we're reaching um, Discovery Season 5, and it just looks like the same thing. Yeah, so we, we watched a couple episodes of uh, Discovery Season 3. I'm, I'm doing a watch through of that right now. Mm-hmm. And um, we we watched a couple episodes when you came over and while we were eating and stuff. And uh, woof. Yeah. I just like, even they can like, they threw David Cronenberg in there. I fucking love David Cronenberg Me and too, anything. Yeah. And it's just like his, 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 his weird like Germanish charm mm-hmm. and just like his weird way of being d- just didn't improve the product at all. And like having a master technician on set did not help them apparently. No. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there is like a lot of really int- like good technical stuff. Like, oh yeah, like it's visually, te- technically, like it's a beautifully made show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the aesthetics of the bridge and the ship in general just aren't super for me. No, it's a little too gritty and blue light and shit, and yeah. a little too like maybe I guess like uh, post industrial or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, it's just not for me. No, um, it's very like 
I don't know if like Apple designed a fucking starship or something, which is not. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking uh, earlier today to, with my roommate about how much like I like prodigy as a, as, as a Star Trek show more yeah. than like, you know, Picard. Yeah. And stuff like that. And I'm pretty positive. Like prodigy probably has like what, like a fraction of the budget that they, oh, 100%. That, that they spend on something like discovery or, right. or Picard. Yeah. There's no way they have the same kind of money, but like mm-hmm. they stretch their budget. They make it work. And like, the and the, the they invest them in writers, which is they have. I mean, they have great writers, but like you know, the animation's very competent. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's been a, a moment in this where I'm like, oh, that animation was rough. Yeah, like everything is at least competent to to really good. Yeah, it has a very interesting style. Like, uh-huh. it kind of looks like some cross between like kind of like like hand drawn and sort of like uh, CGI types. At stuff. times, especially the yeah. space stuff is really great. I mm-hmm. think, and, yeah. but you know. Like basically, I gotta say that's where New Trek really shines. Is every single scene they they have in space for the most part is mm. fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah, it looks great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Even in Picard, like yeah. you know, and yeah. so so you can't you can't make a totally bad show with that much money, mm-hmm. but you can make a show that alienates people and alienates classic fans and alienates the people that I think the show is actually meant to be for. Because yeah. like you know, I'm a um, a millennial queer Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. I by all means they're trying to sell discovery to people like me mm-hmm. um i don't really like the, i i just i just don't like the decisions they make to try to make it inclusive because I, I feel like it detracts and it does the thing that we were talking about where like instead of addressing classes mm-hmm. and class struggle in any way they address individuals mm-hmm. and individual struggle which is fine in some cases but and also the characters don't, even though like they express so much on identity, it doesn't feel like they're fleshed out as, as it people. It doesn't. It doesn't. But at the same time, they give them this weird sense of like exceptionalism and ability, yeah. with mm-hmm. which I don't think really has the same kind of anything in other Star Treks. Like all other Star Treks are a lot more about community and quorum and like you know figuring out things together as a group. Yeah. Whereas as we were talking, like especially in fucking Discovery season three, it's like Michael Burnham just manipulates people into doing what she wants to do like yeah. the entire so far. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Much. I watched, I watched, uh, I watched all of season three and like, I paid attention to it, but see by season four, like mm-hmm. I definitely kind of just checked out. Like, I think there was a lot of me watching just kind of like looking at my phone and, you know, <laughs> just like not really like paying attention to like the show. Yeah. And whereas for prodigy, like when I watch it, I'm just like, yeah, focused. Like, you know, and I had the same thing with like Strange New Worlds and other, you know, lower decks. Like I'm mm. I'm like in, into the show. Like, but like I like there was I think I was telling you like there was one episode of season four of Discovery. I, I probably had to restart like five times because yeah. I kept because I kept trying to I kept starting it and then just like and just like zoning out and then you'd be like, Okay, what happened? Then I'd have huh. to just restart the episode. I'm like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing too, is like uh, there's, uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll just talk about this some other time because there's too much to say about, yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of critiques of Star Trek Discovery. It's not, it's not a wholly bad show. Yeah. It, it, I do find it mostly alienating though. Now, there's, is, there's some good stuff in there, but yeah, like, yeah, like, uh, it does definitely feels very like, like sh- a show written for Tumblr. <laughs> it does. And which is, I think, there's a big problem with that that's especially compounded by the fact that the best run the show had is when there was like 
a, a white cis male at the helm, <laughs> which is very like problematic when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, because everyone liked Captain Pike so much that they're like, give Pike a show. And then they're like, we don't want to see Michael Warren as a captain. But it's not because of who she is. It's because of how she's been written. Yeah. <laughs> which is just like entitled, narcissistic, a fucking manipulative bully, mm. like emotionally wrought and unstable for the most part. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, we'll still watch Discovery Season 5. Though. We will. We will. And we will watch it naked. Hells yeah. Hell that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Oh yeah. yeah. That's what I'm looking behind to, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Buttholes. Yeah. I mean, it is wild. Like, yeah, I mean, it does have, like, one, there is one showrunner, but, like, the shows that differ so vast in, mm-hmm. in quality. And, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's like, Alex Kurtzman uh, has, I don't, I don't think the guy has things very well organized. Mm-hmm. Right? Make, like, at least, like, nothing exactly has stepped on the canon of the other new Trek shows too mm-hmm. bad or anything so far yeah. or in such a noticeable way. So at least they have their own kind of in-universe canon kind of in order. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek Picard's... No. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's like, there's no, like I the, take that back. Like, a lot Picard. of the canon stuff I don't like in, like, yeah. in Discovery. I don't like the burn. I think the burn's stupid. Yeah. I also don't like in Picard. I don't like the, the um, android... Yeah, and there's some um, some retconny stuff about Q in there too. Yeah, like I don't I don't like those stories. Like those stories don't interest me. Like I I like I don't. I don't know. That yeah. doesn't really. Anyway, anyway, let's get into some pretty good new yeah. um, fucking stuff. This was all, also uh, this episode. Uh, Preludes of Prodigy was directed by Steve In Chang Ah and Sung Shin, uh, and I think they're fifth episode together. They've hmm. done a bunch of episodes. They're both very good. Yeah, I think one of them worked on like Kung Fu Panda. Both, mm. both very experienced, very competent directors. I, I, I've liked the episodes and what they've done. As I said, like, animation's good, direction's good. It feels, you know, like a, a lived-in, real Star Trek universe. It does, yeah. Like, you feel, like, at this point, you know, you, like, all, like, the, you know, all the characters feel like they're real people. Yeah, like, I have, I have suspended my disbelief. And I'd mm-hmm. say, if, if you start watching the show, give it... F- actually... I'd almost say, like, give it till the, f- like, 10 episodes. Yeah. Because it grows. Like It does. I- I'd say the first two or three episodes are kind of rough, mm-hmm. and you'll be like, well, this is getting its legs. It feels kind of a lot like a Star Wars thing. That's why, that's initially what um, turned me off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, at, like, I think I was, like, started to watch, you know, I was just like, oh, I've got to watch Prodigy. I've been putting right. it off. And then I was like, this seems like it's just like a Star Wars show. And I was like, eh, not not that yeah. interested. And then like, I, you know, mm-hmm. gave a chance and I was like, oh, okay, I like these characters. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll say straight up, like right now, Prodigy is my third favorite new Trek show. Yeah. Uh, after Strange New Worlds is going to be number one. Number yeah. two, um, obviously Picard. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. But I would say Prodigy has the second best trajectory so far. Yeah. Like, Strange New Worlds started out good, mm-hmm. ended up awesome. Um, Prodigy started out a little rough, but by, like, I'd say episode, I think, six or seven, Kobayashi Maru is mm-hmm. where it finds its legs. Mm-hmm. I don't love that episode, but yeah. I think that's where they finally started to, like, get into being comfortable with the writing, and mm-hmm. everything started to feel more lived in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one, the the time travel one, or not time travel, the, the time dilation one, mm-hmm. where Rock has to be alone, that that episode is great, too. And I want to say that's, like, the eighth, eighth episode of the season mm-hmm. or something. But. And, I, and I like how they, they are folding in, like, classic Trek characters without it feeling too... too uh, 
too forced. Yeah, like, it, it, like they're folding yeah. in naturally where it makes right. sense. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Okada was awesome to have. Yeah. Um, fucking the way they work Janeway in mm-hmm. two versions of Janeway so far. Yeah. Have two been Janeways. seamless. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, it feels natural. Like it feels mm-hmm. like a good, not direct sequel, but like an offshoot sequel of Voyager. Yeah, which it does is fucking cool. Yeah, like I actually just wrote a big post about this on on Reddit today. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a fucking great show. Like yeah. straight up, uh, if you like Star Trek, it doesn't matter if you're a kid or not. I'd say watch this show. Mm-hmm. If you have given Discovery and Picard your time, this deserves more <laughs> of your time. <laughs> it does. It it straight up deserves more of your time. The first season of this so far better than the first season of Discovery. Easy. Oh yeah. Easy. Also. I mean, of course, better than the first season of Picard. You know. Yeah, I mean, Picard Picard has, what, like 20 episodes? Yeah. And the new characters they introduced in that, like, you know, oof, woof. And you don't like Elnor? I hate Elnor. <laughs> he's, uh, he's woof. Wow. Yeah, Elnor yeah. is probably, like, the character I like the least. Yeah. Like, I can, I can, I kind of like, you know, kind of like Girardi and, you know, um, what's his face? I'm not a fan of Girardi. I, I like Rios, Rios enough. Yeah. And I hated. Rios, I think, had the most. He made some dumb ass decisions. Yes. Like, especially at the very end. But I think he had the most uh, um, uh, possibility. I think he had. I, I think, honestly, like, just given the actress Raffi does, Raffi's actress is really good. Mm-hmm. It's just like from from the get go, they they did some weird retconny stuff with her where she's like super bitter because she like has nothing in a post scarcity world somehow. And yeah, like living in like, a trailer. Yeah, she lives in a trailer in the desert and like yeah. just is hitting just vaping in the desert in a trailer. I'm like, that's not really how this works. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the Federation is more than okay because the thing the Federation the reason they're post scarcity really is they figured out the problem that we have right now. Mm-hmm. The real post-scarcity for us, more than anything, is land is not unlimited and it's all bought up and we can't get any more of it yep. because it's all owned by billionaires who won't sell it. And our Yeah, and the scarcity is artificial. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, um, where we're purposely denying people things because mm-hmm. people want to make a profit off yeah. of it. And so they've, they've fixed that in this post-scarcity future because not only equal distribution of land, but if they don't have enough room on Earth there's plenty of class and planets within the territory to resettle people. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's made very clear, and there's a lot of episodes of TNG and stuff, where they're just resettling colonists, mm-hmm. which is something the uh, you, you hear about like uh, Federation colonies all the time. Yeah, not even that, Record lives on Earth. That's, that's what those are. Mm-hmm. That's what a Federation colony is, is people who wanted a place of their own, mm-hmm. but there maybe wasn't enough space on Earth. And so the Federation is like, okay, here are your options. We'll mm-hmm. do this for you yeah. because it's post-scarcity, yeah. which is, you know, when people say it's not like a communist society or post-scarcity, I'm like, okay, you, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going down this road because there's just too much information you're wrong about. Yeah. It's that, like, that oh, okay. Yeah. They just removed the profit motive for mm-hmm. existence, <laughs> it's yeah. like, but they're not communists. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like in, in like, yeah, people are like literally entitled to all of their labor except mm-hmm. in like. Ferengi situations. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like at this point, like unions are like so ubiquitous with like labor or like labor is so free at this point that like, you know, fucking there's only legends about unionizing in, in the Federation. Now yeah. Because it's like some, a, a problem they've solved. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, anyway, let's get to this episode here. So we open uh, on a shot of Admiral Janeway looking out into space from the Dauntless as Lieutenant Tysus, the uh, Andorian fella. Mm-hmm. I really like. I really like that. Yeah. I've, I've grown up. I'm like, yeah, he's he's kind of Vulcanish in, in a way. He's mm-hmm. like pretty stern and stuff, and he's mm-hmm. very informational, but he seems like a very competent first officer. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, so Lieutenant Tysus reports to her that the Protostar is refusing their hails from within the neutral zone. Uh, Janeway commiserates on how they can't go into the neutral zone and the Protostar won't come out saying that whatever trouble the Protostar's crew in, they've locked Starfleet out. Tysus comments on the soft piano music, saying it's beautiful. Janeway tells him it's Chopin's, or Chopin's Prelude Number 4, saying it always helps her bide the time. So that's the namesake of the episode, I think. Mm. Uh, and also, obviously, it's an homage to We Get People's Backstories, yeah. which is fun. So. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Admiral Janeway tells uh, Tysus she's worried, since the uh, crew evaded the Tal Shiar and Starfleet, and that they have no idea who they're dealing with. Tysus says that's not true, and hands Janeway a pad with all of the crew's mug shots on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bounty seeking the, quote, unwanted. Mm-hmm. A name, apparently, uh, the person issuing the bounty has for the crew. Mm-hmm. So back on the protostar, Dahl is doing some welding, and it accidentally fucks something up. So, Pat, you're a welder. Mm-hmm. In your professional welder's opinion, what did he fuck up? Looked like he burned through, like, whatever he was welding. He also wasn't using any filler metal, but I wasn't, like, sure. Like, I, I know, I, it was funny because I was paying attention, like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. Straight <laughs> up, straight up I, I actually, like, looked up some welding stuff, and I'm like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I settled on, uh, he disregarded his uh, MIG gun consumables. Yeah, yeah. And uh, thereby uh, causing a premature contact tip failure. Yeah. Yeah, he and because yeah, it looked did look like he was using a big gun, and that mm-hmm. that, that that feeds wire. Yeah, through uh, and um, I, I straight up watched like fifteen minutes of like uh, <laughs> m- uh, welding accident videos on mm-hmm. YouTube today, and I'm like, it looks it actually looks like that one. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it did look like uh, yeah, they ran out of maybe wire or something, and, yeah, that, yeah. and then the wire went. Pfft. Mm. Which happens to me all the time at work. Like, yeah, have, always, like, always have extra wire. We have, well, we have these massive barrels that are heavy as fuck mm-hmm. with because we use so much. And so, are we, they blue? No, okay, <laughs> they're so, square. So, actually. so Worf, Worf would be okay with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, but yeah, I was paying. I was like, hmm, is he using filler metal? I can't tell if that's a MIG gunner, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I I'm sure they've they figured out something beyond like Meg and Tig in the future, right? Yeah. Arc like they've they've got to have some great, but it looks like traditional welding still, and he's still wish wearing like all traditional welders materials. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's something that honestly, like I mean, the the technology has been kind of improved on, but mm-hmm. basically like since what Mig was invented after Tig, right? Actually, I guess since Arc, yeah. like Arc is probably the newest welding technology, right? Which kind? Uh, like electric arc arc welding. Oh, that's that's uh, kind of all of them. Like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, like, yeah. um, but I think like, yeah, Tig is Tig is maybe the more recent one. But I don't know. They, oh. There's like, yeah, a, but the, it's it's. I mean, like, but yeah, we've had basically the same standards for decades now. Yeah, like it's not something that's actually been like n- the new inventions really are happening. Just like innovations are happening at best. There is lots. Of, there is yeah. There is lots of uh, MIG welding in uh, mm-hmm. Enterprise. Which I always notice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There is definitely, especially like in the shuttle bay and stuff. There's mm-hmm. always someone doing some MIG welding. Yeah, but usually, yeah, yeah with like, if like you know, like aerospace type stuff, they usually use MIG. I mean, there's no not, not MIG, uh, TIG. There's no way that we're gonna have humans welding in the future, though, right? We're robots are gonna take care of that. 
Yeah, we have a robot at work that yeah, it's it, like, it works okay most of the time. In the, in the future, though, <laughs> like there's no gonna be no human out there that can like fucking drop dimes like a fucking yeah. robot. Like, I mean, it's true. We have robots now. Yeah, your shop doesn't have a good one, but fucking like United Auto Worker shops have fucking it's crazy. Oh shit. yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just us. Like, and, but in the, same, in the same building, like another another group, they like another people make another thing. Like they. uh they have a really good robot. The robot actually actually really good, but nice. But yeah, even like you know, even like with like full automation, like yeah, it depends on you know. There is still people that need, that are needed to operate it, to load it, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. True, true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're always going to need some human labor in mm-hmm. everything. Like nothing can be fully automated from point to point, and if it is fully automated from point to point, a lot of bad things can happen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like yeah. That's, and I think that I, I was thinking today, like how like a lot of people, like you know, especially rich people, mm-hmm. like they think like um like uh you know people like Elon Musk and stuff, they think mm-hmm. like automation is just like already here, yeah, like full automation, you know, we can just completely do away with like these like jobs like the, yeah. the labor jobs, but like it's that you know that's like you know what you know the myth that they want to split, especially with railway well, railroad workers. Well, well, that's the thing is he understands things in the context of. Uh, his father running a slave mining operation <laughs> in South Africa. So he oh, does, the, the emeralds just appear. Yeah, exactly. He he doesn't <laughs> understand like resource scarcity or he doesn't care about it more, more so because he was saying like, what was it that he was saying that America was going to do a coup on to get their fucking lithium? Yeah. Was it, was it Uruguay or something like that? Uh, Argentina? Something um, like that. It was, uh, I think Venezuela. No, it was somewhere in the global yeah. south. It, I might, it might have been Venezuela. Uh, yeah. It was definitely somewhere in the global south and definitely somewhere where the CIA is probably looking at doing a coup or has tried to do a coup mm-hmm. in the very recent past. Yeah, for the, li- yeah, for the lithium reserves, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yep. But yeah, like that's the thing. Like, yeah, just ignore the labor that goes into it. But, yeah, but yeah, but I do like uh, I do like it when they show welding and 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 Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jankum comes in and criticizes his welding, saying they're trying to fix the auxiliary warp drive, not destroy it. He says his dimes are fucking shit, bro. <laughs> he does. Looks like a fucked up quarter, son. <laughs> Looks fucked up, dude. Uh, so Dahl protests, saying he doesn't fix things, and it's Pog's job. Which is like a captain saying he doesn't fix things is not a good look. No, yeah, um, you definitely want to like that you know, inspires confidence in your captain. I yeah. don't know about this engineering shit at all. Yeah, it's like, but you know, you know, do what do what you can. You're in charge of all the engineers, so maybe you know a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Zero interrupts and says, with Admiral Janeway scrutinizing their every move, it's everybody's job to pitch in and make repairs. Adding that if they can't start charging for their next proto jump, they'll never be able to leave the neutral zone. Mm. Uh, Rock suddenly shows up and drops a big box of tools with Murph in tow. Uh, she says there's no use to blame others, and it's not personal. Gwyn then shows up and says that Dahl is still coming to terms with the augment thing. Dahl is mad about this and says he's sorry he's still coming to terms with being a failed genetic experimentation, which, yeah. Like how much? I mean, I'm assuming this is like a week or two after. Give the give him time to have some grief, man. Yeah, he's he's not only learned that his parents are dead, but in fact, he just doesn't have any parents, mm-hmm. and the only like parental figure he ever had sold him into slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and now, now he's like now he does feel like a complete. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like not many people have actually really experienced that. Yeah, know, like, like, way, like, way to fucking alienate him, Gwen. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Give, give, him some, give him some time. Yeah. 
Uh, Jenkin protests and tells Dahl he's not the only one on the ship with a sob story. Dahl asks who can top that, which I agree with. But then Gwyn asks if his father is hunting him down. Yeah. And let's be fair, Dahl doesn't even have a father. <laughs> he just found out that he's an orphan and he's a failed genetic experiment made entirely of recessive genes. Yeah, not even an orphan because he'd never had parents to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but you know, like in, in I, I guess in your mind, like yeah. everyone assumes they have parents. And mm-hmm. so- you know, it's yeah, it's it's fucked up. So it's, who knows? But also, I I don't believe. I think that that geneticist kind of led him down like a false trail. You're still sticking to your story. I'm you're still, still sticking to threshold, aren't you? I'm still sticking to threshold. So if if, if y'all uh, aren't aware of this, Pat is is very convinced <laughs> that Doll is one of the uh, the lizard babies that mm-hmm. Tom Paris and uh, Janeway had after they turned into lizards yes. on the Voyager episode Threshold. Yes, which is what like season two episode something. I mean, I I am kind of like leaning more towards okay, could be Ch- Chakotay's kind of like genetic child. Could could be that. Um, uh, but I, 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 want, yeah, I, I think I think I came up with that yeah, theory yeah. last time. I think that's a decent theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the threshold, baby. I like the threshold. I also actually like the maybe it's like an augmented, like a genetically augmented Murph type thing because mm. it's the same color and everything. Yeah, it's came same color scheme, like uh, queer lighting color scheme. <laughs> in my yeah. Room. yeah, bisexual lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a. But yeah, like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, they're, they're I, both colored like the show Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I can believe, like, maybe he is, like, yeah, made from Chakotay's genetic material in some way. And Yeah. But he's, I, I'm st- I still want the threshold child thing. What if he's one of the rubber people? Rubber people. The rubber people. Or the rubber tree people, sorry. That's where uh, the um, people on the. Uh, they're having the Vietnam War. No, so uh, the rubber tree people were the uh, like native peoples whom Chakotay's peoples oh, came from. Oh, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Because Chakotay, it ended up on him. He he was originally like Hopi or something, and mm-hmm. then Sioux, and then they ended up just like making him non-tribally affiliated. Mm-hmm. But his uh, people on the Maki planet that they were forced out of, mm-hmm. their ancestors were the rubber tree people, which yeah. it never really expands on. No, uh, like and, Chico- and when they do expand on it, it fucking sucks and doesn't make sense. No, because yeah, they're just like we're just making this up as we go instead of actually using like actual yeah, because they got actual a, a cult- fake, outro a fake cult- native. Yeah, they got like an Italian guy who said he was native. Like, and it's crazy to me. So this is like the third time this has happened. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. So they just found out that the supposedly uh, first people's woman that accepted the Oscar for Marlon Brando at like the 1971 mm-hmm. Oscars or whatever, and when in protest for native peoples, she was not native. Really? Yeah, she was, I think, Italian. Damn. And the the, the guy on the uh, the commercial where there's the native guy oh, and like yeah, someone yeah. throws the litter on the highway and he mm-hmm. cries, that guy was Italian. Damn. They're all Italian Fake natives. Wow. It's crazy. What's up with these Italian fake natives? Maybe because of the spaghetti westerns. Like, there's just Ooh. like... This This is the real spaghetti incident right here. <laughs> yeah, this the is, real spaghetti incident. This is what Guns N' Roses was they talking about. They probably just get a lot of Sicilians and stuff. And mm-hmm. <laughs> just like... Do, do you think Italians really listen to a lot of the spaghetti incident? Do you think that's like most of their favorite albums? Maybe. I mean, you're, you're kind of Italian. Do you, do you listen to that like 10% of the time? 
Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I just did that Spotify wrapped, and it was just like you've been listening to um, vintage Italian soundtracks. So that's that's a more that's a more <laughs> remix. That's a more extended version. That's a more yeah. radio edit. <laughs> yeah, re- yeah. I mean, yeah, my yeah, my Italian heritage is very very minuscule, non-existent. <laughs> yeah, you know, I listen to some pretty cutting edge EDM. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pizza Core, yeah, you know, or Pizza and, Wave. And it only comes out in like I like spaghetti, and I also <laughs> like uh, I also like the soundtracks of Goblin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like an electronic version of That's a More. Yeah, <laughs> different different remixes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, fucking. Dahl says maybe Gwyn has him beat, but no, I don't think she does. And mm-hmm. Zero says they wouldn't be so sure since we each have things in our past we wish to forget. Mm-hmm. Dahl asks why Zero read her mind, or his mind, uh, and Zero says it's because they care. Uh, Jenkum pipes up, or sorry, Rocks asks why Zero read her mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I wrote Dahl there, sorry. So, <laughs> uh, Jenkum pipes up and says that maybe... They could use a break. Then, in a not-the-right-way-to-take-a-break fashion, Jenkum asks Rock how she ended up on Tars Lamora, which is an interesting thing. It's like, maybe we should take a break. So, how'd you get enslaved? Like, yeah. man, not the best work conversation. Yeah, it's the time to do, uh, get a snack or go to the bathroom or mm-hmm. doom scroll on your phone. Yeah, so they're <laughs> like, let's talk about all of our ex- uh, traumatic experiences being sold into mining slavery. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, but I do, I, I, and I do like this because, yeah, I think it goes back to our conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like where these characters are having natural conversation mm-hmm. and just like normal things that pe- that people do right where it's like you don't see people having like normal human conversations and discovery or, I was, or I was picard gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially discovery like i feel like picard has a bit more levity sometimes mm-hmm. especially with like seven raffi and rios for the yeah. most part can have a bit of levity mm-hmm. um but yeah, like everything Picard ever says in that show is so fucking consequential, it's disgusting. Yeah. Like everything has this enormous weight and this like dramatic effect. Just mm-hmm. like every time he's like, but it's making, like word salad. It is. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like the hope of the future is what we can all look forward to. For if we do not find <laughs> what is in our hearts, the thing that makes us most human, we become what we hate the most, which is not human. And so I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style <laughs> at the, the time. time. <laughs> this is like, what are you talking about? And yeah, it's just like, yeah, someone's someone's brain who's yeah. it, his, his brain has just been reduced to jello. As as, <laughs> as I, I think I said on a uh, previous episode, uh, Picard is old man yells at space. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's that's basically <laughs> the entire fucking show. Anyway, so. Um, uh, Rock says that nobody wants to hear how she ended up in slavery, but Gwyn insists that they do. It's cr- crazy work conversation here. Yeah. So we go to a flashback in some sort of dirty gladiatorial arena. Rock says, they called me the monster. Every hero needs something to fight. Revealing that they were enslaved is a gladiatorial monster who fought and lost to the same hero every show. Uh, she was friends with the hero and not poorly taken care of, but being seen as a monster began to wear on her psyche. So one day she decided to give up. Instead of doing her regular act, depressed, she just stopped. And the crowd got mad and started throwing fruit and vegetables at her. But the hero slipped on the fruit and the audience began to laugh. 
her and the hero figured out a way to do more of a comedy routine this time, and Brock was once again happy at the end of the show, this time getting to be the hero. Mm-hmm. After the show, Brock did not get a full bowl of slop like usual. And I just got to say, Brock just keeps on eating slop in the show, and I think they call it like nutritional something yeah it's like some something some like like a non-food name <laughs> right and it's like like you can try you have a, a fucking replicator you can try every food from every culture like try the whole palette of the galaxy which Wayun did one time yeah. when Wayun and, and Odo were on the thing and yeah. Odo's like you've tried everything the damn yeah, damn yeah, replicator yeah. Right? <laughs> and Wayun's like eating a piece of pizza like just Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually watching an episode the other day, and uh, there, there's a great scene actually where fucking it's it's the one with um, uh, where fucking uh, Ducat moves his daughter away, mm-hmm. one, the one that's basically about like Ducat and, and Garrick, mm-hmm. uh, and like Quark is worrying about the Dominion War specifically because the Dominion, uh, and this is before the fucking um, uh, uh, Cardassians join him, I think, like mm-hmm. right before it. He's like, uh, the Dominions are Jem'Hadar, Changelings, uh, are like all Jem'Hadar and Changelings, and none of them have sex, none of them drink, and none of them eat. Yeah. And then, uh, like, uh, Ducat's daughter is like, uh, well, what what about the, uh, like, the, the fucking uh, Vorta? Like, mm-hmm. uh, do they like to eat? And he's like... I never thought about that. <laughs> and, then, and then it ends up, that that's a crazy awesome like callback because that's like in a way later episode where mm-hmm. Weyoun eats everything. Yeah, and Weyoun's like, but I actually don't taste, I just like, I like the texture. Right, right. <laughs> Which I totally get. Like, yeah. you know, when I was like smoking a lot, like I lost my sense of smell. Mm-hmm. And so I tasted, actually, I don't know. I've always had a really good sense of taste even though my smell has been dog shit. Yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, after talk, uh, talk about Rock's food for 20 minutes. All right, we're done with that. Uh, next part on the schedule. Uh, so Rock's friend, the hero, was sad because he knew people didn't pay to see a monster be a hero. Mm. And so somebody purchased Rock and took them away, breaking the hero's heart. As her story ends, Rock realizes this was all for the best, as if they were never sold away, they would never have met their new friends. Gwyn muses on why this must be why Rock doesn't like to fight. Mm. Which honestly... Makes sense. Great backstory, yeah. In my opinion, like mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a great emotional story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set up for future storytelling. I would love to see this hero, uh, who like she was friends with, come come back in some way because um, at this point it's made clear that uh, Rock can't talk really. Yeah, and so um, Rock becomes verbal after this, and so like or didn't have a universal communication. Oh yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Actually, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah, did it say that it just wasn't because it yeah. said they didn't? We didn't speak the same language or something mm-hmm. like that. And I don't know if they said they could speak a language though. But no, like yeah, like uh, uh, I think the first uh, encounter Rock had with a universal communicator is when Doll got one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch. I haven't mm-hmm. watched that in a, a little minute. Um. So anyway, um. So somebody purchased Rock. Uh, as her story ends, Rock realizes that this was all for the best because otherwise uh, they would never have met. Gwen realizes this is why Rock doesn't like to fight. Great mm-hmm. backstory. Uh, Zero says that perhaps they should get back to work since the ship isn't going to fix itself. Uh, this shit ain't going to suck itself. <laughs> uh, and when, when they try to pick something up, uh, when Zero tries to pick something off, their arm falls off. Dahl says that the ship can wait and Zero needs some attention. Jankum volunteers to fix him. 
Uh, and as he's repairing, the rest of the crew is sitting around and Gwyn posits that Zero can read minds, but the crew can't read Zero's. Mm-hmm. Dahl asks how a Medusan ended up in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. Has it mentioned where Medusa is? Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, and we don't even really know about the homeworld. Well, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. So Zero remembers that uh, their people weren't always in, or uh, they weren't always in a containment suit, and they used to be so free. It shows Zero along with other Medusans on the surface of a planet. Uh, is They explain that their people were simply curious non-corporeal minds who left their home planet long ago in order to explore the universe around them. Zero explores around a seemingly desolate planet uh, with their mates when suddenly they uh, get kind of lost and come upon a glowing mysterious box. Mm. As they approach the box, uh, they find it's a trap in an ambush. There are multiple humanoids. Uh, these were Kazons, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. I wasn't sure because they had these goggles on. I'm like, I think that's a Kazon. Not, not yeah, like to, I think, protect themselves from... Yeah, um... yeah from seeing the Medusans, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so uh, a bunch of Kazons wearing some goggles uh, so they can shield themselves from the Medusans um, uh, capture her. Uh, the rest of the Zero's people escape on their ship, uh, and I was like, what do non-corporeal like, mind beings need with a starship? I mean, they're they're basically like they're made of light. Yeah, so they, they can survive be, in space. Yeah, they can survive in but space, pro- but can't but can't probably you know can't travel at light speeds. But they're made of light. I think, like they're not. They're I don't not, think, but they can't. Do, I don't think they can do warp. That's the thing. Non-corporeal beings not <laughs> being able. They don't. They don't have. They don't have a body to transport. Is the thing. No, they have. Well, they, I think they have. Like, well, Zero does have like some sort of like essence. Essence. Yeah. That's contained that can't just go, you know, anywhere at any time. Because if they did have the, I think if they did have the power of that do that, that'd probably be overpowered. Yeah, Gonzo. Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah they, just, they, they wouldn't be in the show because yeah. <laughs> they could have never been captured in the first place. Yeah, they never would have been captured. They would have been like, you know, when the Kazon were like with the with the little shock things and been like, yeah, I mean, peace. Burp. So I, I don't necessarily want it on the show, but I would like an explanation of exactly like what they're made of or something like that. Limitations, because, yeah. Yeah, because they they are simultaneously like kind of both a corporeal being and non-corporeal being, which is yeah. like I'm a little confused about. Also, I'm surprised they never choose to like have a little like outside of the containment suit time. That's true. Like like, like uh, Odo's fucking bucket time. Yeah, so. like Odo's bucket time. Yeah, just I have the feeling of just being like, you know, goo. Mm-hmm. Like I I have like I'm sure like just being outside the containment suit and just like zipping around probably is like yeah, incredibly really, freeing. It's yeah. like, you know, when taking off your socks or some shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you know, uh, uh putting your cock in the 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 faucet. Oh, the sink. Oh the sink. my god, yeah, that classic it, feeling. Yeah, I almost put it in the fucking garbage disposal one the other day. It was not. <laughs> You're like, oh damn it! I dropped something in there. Well, <laughs> time to <laughs> use my pre- with my dick. Time to use my prince prehensile penis. Yeah, I never thought about it, but you know, you know the 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 like the rubber catch thing for the the, mm-hmm. um, the garbage disposal. Yeah, probably be pretty good. Fuck, huh? You know what? Why don't you do that and report back to me? <laughs> <laughs> sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Reporting for duty. Oh God, it hurts. Nine one one. Nine one one. Nine eight eight. Nine eight eight. Um. So back on the ship, Gwen apologizes. Wait. Okay. So, uh, 
Mm, where were we? Okay, yeah, there we go. So uh, the... uh, Zero is about to get captured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zero does not make the ship in time and is captured uh, with, like, they hit him with, like, electric batons or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're captured in a, a box, like a metal box. Mm-hmm. Looks like an Xbox. Yeah. Next thing <laughs> they know, a green, green uh, light. they're being sold off to Gwyn and Dreadnought. Mm. Back on the ship, Gwyn apologizes to Zero, saying that she had no idea. Well, okay, what? <laughs> you kind of had a little bit of an idea. You're literally buying a being from from Kazons that you know own that being. Yeah. Which, which no matter what, is slavery. Yeah, you know, just, just, just dabbling a little bit of slavery. Just you a know? little a mild slavery of a non-corporeal being, like far... Ad- more advanced than them. Yeah. That, that, that being definitely wants to mine for you, Gwen. Gwen grew a little, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I learned slavery. I had no bad. idea. Whoopsie daisy, I did a slavery. <laughs> but yeah, it's like kind of hard to believe that, you know, considering how many slaves like were on that planet Gwen, to begin with. <laughs> Gwen literally did an Elon Musk. Yeah. Gwen did an Elon Musk. Yeah. Her father owns in like a, oh my God. a fucking slave mining operation. <laughs> That'd be funny if Gwen was just coming up with dog shit ideas all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she pretty much lies here, and so she had no idea. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, well, what did you did you think all those people like uh, with, uh, the, with all pickaxes the, were all just... the people that you bought? Do you think they wanted to be there? Did you ever talk to yeah. any of them? You like, know, all the you know that just you know they're they're being they're being made to mine under under threat of death, but yeah. by by armed people, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just. Like children being forced. <laughs> yeah, literal, children. Literal, literal children are being forced to. Little children that you bought are being forced to. <laughs> what? What the? Fu- how can? Like, I mean, you're canceled, Gwen. Yeah, let's let's can- <laughs> let's let's do it. Cancel cancel Gwen culture. Mm-hmm. So back on the Dauntless, the Diviner is speaking, um, and uh, saying he thought that him and Gwen were the only two Val Nakat left. Asensia, who will remember, revealed herself as a double agent working towards the Diviner's original goal of destroying Starfleet in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Asensia asked the Diviner if uh, he even remembers what Starfleet did. Uh, Dreadnought, who is now here uh, because he was a table. But I think, isn't that a different Dreadnought? It's a different Dreadnought. Yeah. Yes. So, but they're all, all called Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. So they're... I. I'm sure they're just like copies of each other. And they actually mm-hmm. say there was probably like a hundred Dreadnoughts yeah, in this episode. Because yeah. they... Like, all the people left with a Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. So, Essentia, who will remember, revealed herself as a double agent, uh, asks the Diviner if he even remembers what Starfleet did. Dreadnought notes that the Medusin shattered the Diviner's mind. The Diviner insists that Starfleet saved him, but Essentia says they destroyed their world. The Diviner sighs and asks them to help him remember... Essentia says that even if he doesn't believe it, there was a time when her and the Diviner were the same age. The Diviner was a strong supporter of joining the Federation after first contact, but Essentia questioned why their people would join such a primitive alliance when the Federation had the most to gain out of the situation. Years of infighting pushed the planet to civil war, for which the uh, Federation refused to take a side. The world was ruined, and the people nearly pushed to extinction until decades later the protostar arrived and hope returned. Mm. Suddenly, the diviner remembers everything. Mm. Uh, which kind of lame storytelling, I don't know. 
Yeah. It's whatever. I mean, and it makes sense. Well, I think it kind of made sense. Like, you know, it, it started to probably connect things in his brain to like, you know, yeah. re, re, re-access those memories that were lost. And I guess, you know, he remembered his, his daughter's name like two episodes ago or something. So mm-hmm. it, it has been slowly coming back to him, but I feel like maybe a slightly slower burn would have been a little more impactful, yeah. but whatever. But also, like, I mean, like he could have done it over the ser- the course of this episode, really, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Like, it would have been a cool end of the episode for him to, like, remember everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, well, it's all right. Um, so, uh, suddenly, uh, the Diviner remembers everything. He recalled the protostar coming through a wormhole and arriving at their planet. Starfleet had called it an accident, specifically Chakotay, but the Diviner knew it was fate. On the protostar, we see Chakotay giving a distress call before the Valnakot's robot warriors show up and take control of the ship, taking the crew prisoner and arming the ship with their last remaining construct to be sent back in time to destroy Starfleet. Mm. But on the eve of the launch, the Starfleet prisoner escaped, Chakotay that is, mm-hmm. and unable to board or de- deactivate the construct, sent the protostar back into the wormhole to the time it came from automated and with no crew which kind of seems dumb a little also like is is this only like a two-person crew that chakotay has is, yeah it's just him and the bird dude yeah i think so I, I didn't see like anyone else on the crew i don't think yeah i mean i do i think i do remember chakotay saying like it was like a very small crew and and then, i mean that would make sense but like but only more but, than two yeah had way to be more, more than, than two. two like, like you're a, gonna need at least a dozen or so like yeah even even like with um with just like what? How many main characters? Five. Yeah. That, that are on yeah. on a prodigy, like six if you count Murph. So, yeah, and and or seven if um Janeway. Yeah. Ooh, Jane, I guess Janeway does a lion share of the of the work, <laughs> like um, but like um, uh, yeah, just it's, that still seems like too small of a crew because like I think they I think Janeway uh, hologram Janeway said like it was it was um pretty small compliment or like real Janeway said like um well that's not a lot of people and. Chakotay's like, well, I have I have hologram you. True, true, true. So, right, so as the protostar leaves, the Diviner and Essentia look on it in anger. The Diviner, now remembering everything, says he had no way to track the protostar, leaving no chance to save their planet, which is why he formed, quote, the Order. The Order. The Order of the Ring. A group of travelers who took 100 ships into the wormhole to try and find where the protostar went. Each went in with just one pilot and one dreadnought. In doing so, he became the diviner and Essentia the vindicator. Mm. And it makes it pretty clear, I think, that maybe they were the only two that actually survived this journey. Yeah, it's I'm hard not to, sure. It's hard to, like, it, it's, it, it, didn't, it didn't really spill it out, but definitely a, they lost a lot of ships. So, which is cool because they leave it open for maybe more of these characters to come back. Like, if the diviner and Essentia maybe have a redemption arc. They could always bring either, you know, just another Vauna cop in mm-hmm. to uh, be fine. Yeah, because like, I, I was interpreting it as like they were dropping off at different periods of time. Interesting. I was wondering about that as well. Yeah, like I, I couldn't tell if like they're they're uh, just being killed, right? Or or they were just zipping off at different periods of time. Yeah, it, I, I wasn't clear on that either because they didn't actually say it. Yeah, because like uh, Cynthia, like drops off first and like um the diviner keeps going and he goes kind of further back than she did and so the reason i assume they might be the only two left is because she says in making this journey he was made the diviner and her the vindicator Mm. and so like 
I mean, they have a hundred different names for these people based on like the time they came back. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to. Or like, why, 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 why do what? they have those names? Why did yeah. this journey give them those names? I was just wondering. I was, yeah, maybe the diviner because he he's the one who found it. Like, because you okay. know, when you yeah, di- yeah, when like, you divine, yeah, 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 divining water. So he was the finder. And I guess vindicator. So Lucentia is going to vindicate. Yeah, he vindicated. Yeah, okay, I, 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 I guess I see that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, works for me. The wormhole collapsed around the order, with seemingly only two of them surviving. And although the uh, diviner has been in this time for perhaps two decades now, essentially arrived just three years ago. Mm. Essentia says she infiltrated the army, or sorry, the enemy, and was surprised when they found the diviner on Tars Lamora. The Diviner says they spent 20 years searching and didn't think he'd be around long enough to see it, to which Essentia postulates that's why he defied the order and made a progeny to ensure the mission was completed, but wonders why Gwen betrayed them, and the Diviner simply says, she met a boy. Dum, bum, bum. Also, is that, does that mean, like, um, their species uh, repo- re- reproduces asexually? Or is Gwen like a clone? That's a good question. Yeah, I was wondering, like, because he's her daughter, but like, he he didn't have anyone to mate with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm wondering if she's probably she's probably just like lab made, right? Yeah, like yeah, but but, like, but that also brings in the question something that could really open up a story: who's genetics? Because mm-hmm. obviously not just his, unless she's just literally a female clone of him. Yeah, just a like a Y chromosome female clone, but like that's why I was thinking like they could reproduce a sorry X chromosome it got repro- <laughs> does reproduce with one kind of like uh you know an enemy mine you know? oh love enemy mine enemy mine fucks it's awesome. enemy mine is the best um uh god like alien uh suburban family coming of age story yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking weird mm-hmm. the, the film has no idea what it is but yeah. at the same time it is so confident in it. Yeah. Like, I, I can't deny it. If, if you haven't seen Enemy Mine, basically, like, uh, two starfighter pilots from a human and then, like, a fucking alien mm-hmm. are, like, doing a dogfight in space or something, and they both crash land on a planet uh, and then, like, are basically abandoned. Like, their people never find them. Mm-hmm. Do, do they find them in the end? Um, they or kinda, do they get off? They, uh, they like, they kind of find them yeah because like they're the war the war ends while they're on the thing but right right, where um um i can't remember what's his face's name yeah but like the aliens lose and they're kind of enslaved by the humans right right yeah Yeah, and so it's like they like knowing that they're like marooned on the planet the two of them like build a life together and like raise a child together oh well the child uh the the uh, don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, I mean, it, it's like the the film is like tonally crazy. Like it starts out mm-hmm. as like a cool like space battle adventure, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it turns into like, yeah, like almost starting off as Star Wars. Yeah, and then it turns into like kind of this weird bottle film where it's like two opposing forces who can't communicate, and it's like the story about communication. But then and it turns, prejudice and yeah. and everything else, and then dropping that, and, and then, then it turns into like a buddy film, and then it turns into like they're like not odd couple but they're like living together and it's, it's super weird and then man. like and then ending with um uh uh jack uh dennis quaid i think it is mm-hmm. yeah like uh fighting other humans and, right right, and, right. And, to, and freeing to, the slaves yeah yeah to fucking yeah yeah because he's he's realized the humanity in the other species by living with him for like 20 years or something. yeah it's it's sick though like uh, it's very touching it's, it's weird it's yeah. very weird it's definitely not for everybody <laughs> 
I'm not going to say it's a good film, but if it's for you, it's a fucking fun film to watch. Yeah, it's, and and that's also one of those films that obviously probably didn't have the bit, but like the the alien makeup I think is awesome. The alien makeup's awesome. The practical effects are really awesome. Mm-hmm. The story just like throws you for a loop. It's it's a very strange movie, and they're probably never going to make another film like it. No, but it is very unique and probably worth your time if you like. It's very character, sci-fi. yeah, very character driven, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like and yeah, because that's you know, you know great hallmark of great sci fi mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, it's it's not about the space battles. It's yeah. about it's about the um the about exploring the human condition. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 interesting though. Yeah. Watch I, I kind Enemy of Mine. Kind it, of recommend it. Yeah. So back on the protostar, Dahl finally gets his shit in order. And fixes the shitty welding job he was doing. <laughs> he happily exclaims that he fixed it, but Jenkum corrects him and says, We fixed it. <laughs> I fixed your weld while you weren't looking, bitch. Uh, Zero notes that the protocore is responding, but the systems need to reboot before it takes a charge. Dahl suggests that they could kill some time while they wait. Rock says they want to hear some more backstories. Because that's how this fucking episode is written, all right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gwyn notes that Jenkum is the most miserable of the crew, therefore he must have an interesting story. And, reading his mind, Zero insists he has an especially good story. Um, reluctantly, Jenkum begins to tell his tale. Quick aside, the most miserable people I know aren't interesting at all. (laughs) They're miserable because they like have no community. They're like completely alienated from things. Mm -hmm. They have nothing going on in their life. Yeah. And they're not fun to talk to at all. No. No. Like there's, (laughs) there's a big difference between like miserable and depressed. Mm -hmm. Like depressed people can be some of the funniest, most interesting people around, but they're not necessarily miserable. They're just uh, fucking over it. I feel Jankum is most, uh, I think he's just cranky. He is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jenkum's a fun, cranky, like, he has his, he has high standards, and he thinks a lot of himself, mm-hmm. but he's also, he, he operates pretty well, like, and he also chases a smart guy. And he also chases, like, like he's also a big pleasure seeker, like, food, yeah. mm-hmm. like, he loves sleep. Oh, yeah, he's, he's he definitely fun. a little bit of a glutton, a, a, little a bit of, hedonist. Yeah, hedonist. Yeah, he's, yeah. Very, he's very hedonist. He's and, a, 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 a Dionestic? Yeah. Of Dionysus. Basically, he works hard and he plays hard. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know that dude boofs meth all the time. Oh, yeah. We love that shit. We need to get him like a uh, uh, Tellarite girlfriend or something. Mm, Hell, yeah. Bust bust Tellarite loads into. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he already uses Murph. Or did when it was more jelly. Oh, yeah. Before he could fight back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, Jacob says that being a royal Tellarite, which is still a supposition he made from one line Barnus Freck said and is completely wrong and was proven wrong by the only other Tellarite he's ever met. Yeah. Uh, he says that... He's just really leaning into he it. He really is. Uh, he says they might expect him to have a royal upbringing, but it was a royal pain. Also, I'm just realizing something. Mm-hmm. Um... Like, didn't Jinkum Pog not know what he was? He didn't know he was a Tellarite, correct? He didn't know? He did not know. So, yeah, so, but then... Actually, no, no, I think he did know. I don't think he... Did he? I don't know. He's like a Tellarite. No, no, because he... Oh, that's right. He knew he was a Tellarite. He just learned that they were in the Federation, one of the founders of the Federation from Barnus Frex. And we're finding out why. Right, right. I think think he knew he was a Tellarite, though. Okay. Um, Although, 
I don't know but, how he would have. But, but then he didn't know the social structure. Yeah, he didn't know the social structure, and he had never met a Tellerite before. So I don't know exactly how he knew he was a Tellerite. I'm sure someone just told him you're a Tellerite. But he just, then he, but but it showed that he 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 came from the Tellerite home. Oh, that's true. I mean, we'll talk. Okay, we'll talk about that right now. Actually, so <laughs> uh, he was an orphan, and on Teller Prime Pre Federation, which is a planet ruled over by uh, silent magician Teller of Penatellar. <laughs> Um, God, what a hellhole that must be. <laughs> Teller Prime, it's like Amazon, but it only sends you a silent magician. <laughs> <laughs> I need an assistant now. <laughs> I'm the only one that talks. <laughs> um, it's like anytime you have an opinion on something, they send Teller to just say it's bullshit and, yeah. and prove it and with like a whole like. <laughs> so I totally forgot writing that joke because I wrote it when I was really high last night. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a very pleasant surprise. I was like reading that. I'm like, what is it? Oversight magician. That's a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, hi me. Yeah, you're you're a funny one. You should smoke more weed, Rich. Should I? Hell yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Smoke more weed. Smoke more. The bond uh, starts talking to you. <laughs> Always does. <laughs> uh, orphans uh, were volunteered on Teller Prime for deep space missions, which is super fucked up. Yeah. And so, so this has to be pre-Federation because yes. the Federation would not be okay with this activity at all. No, not at all. <laughs> so, uh, I I really don't get the timeline here because Teller Teller Prime joined the Federation in twenty one sixty one, and this takes place in like twenty two eighty or ninety ish. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is literally like hundred and thirty years removed. So, I think the supposition we're making is that Jenkin Pog is actually like 130 or 40 or 50 years old. Mm-hmm. He's just like been in, in cryostasis most of his, his existence. Yeah. Which is weird. And something, I mean, I'm sure they could do some interesting stories with because they could, you know, explore like pre-Federation um, uh, Teller Prime. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and, that, and, that, and that is like, and it is interesting that he is so... Um, Proficient with technology. Oh my god! Hmm. You know what they could do with this? Huh. They could bring back in flashbacks like all of Enterprise. Hell sure. Because fucking Archer definitely visited Teller Prime, and he's the first president of the Federation. Mm-hmm. And so they could have him as either Captain Archer, or they could have him as fucking Daddy President Archer. Oh my god! Right? Yeah, dude. So I'm so into that. There's no chance any of the writers of Prodigy are listening. No. But if you have any idea who any of them are and you have any communication with them, tell them that. I forgot what it was already. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't smoke more weed, Brit. Maybe you're wrong, Brit. It was okay. bring, bring back Archer. Bring back An- Archer. A- animated, animated Archer in the past. True. So that I, the reason I didn't realize I just said that is because that thought is the uh, the screensaver inside my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just like wake up in the morning, I'm like, bring back Daddy Archer, baby. Bring back Daddy Archer. We're waking up. We're making coffee. We're bringing back Daddy Archer. <laughs> Um, so, uh, soaring through deep space, a rock hits Jenkum's ship and a series of events end up opening his cryo sleep chamber. Walking around the ship and noticing he's the only one awake, Jenkum comes upon a robot who introduced themselves as a minor transport emergency assistant. I think his name was Boxy. I think so. I can't uh, remember. Who cares? Yeah. This thing's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, the robot, the robot sucks. Yeah, it does. So, it's, you know, obviously I mean, it's kind of, kind of a funny comic foil, but it's, it's mm-hmm. it does suck. So also, how much how much fuck that is for like these people on the ship, mm-hmm. like they're, they're they, when they like they're presumably still sleeping, yeah, and 
Like, imagine when they wake up and find out they don't have to do whatever orphan slave labor that they <laughs> anymore. <laughs> like, that, yeah, yeah, right. Or like, I mean, like, 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 they'll what, probably what, be pretty happy, like Jankamus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like what happens with that? And like, the thing I really want to know too is like, when is this? What's the timeline of Jankum's existence? Not life, I guess, because in you're in cryos. Yeah, but like. Yeah, like was is he like 140 or 50 years old? Because yeah. that would be interesting and add a lot of storytelling opportunities. But like, if that's not true, I think they fucked off a lot here. Also, I thought they were. I thought also I thought his um, backstory was going to include how he lost his hand. That would have been interesting too. Yeah, yeah. But he but he wakes up. So so it happened mm-hmm. before he went into cryo sleep. Oh, you know, he uh, he he stole something in uh, Saudi Arabia, and in in Teller Arabia, and yes. just got, got his got his hand cut off. Um, so, uh, Jenkum asks the robot to reactivate his cryopod, but the request is denied. The robot says they're in the middle of an emergency, and Jenkum says he's only a trainee, and the real engineer needs to be woken up. Once again, request denied. Jenkum works on a computer, but nothing seems to be working, so he hits it with a wrench and it starts operating. And he's like, yeah, percussive maintenance. <laughs> um, but then a sprinkler system goes off. Suddenly there's an airflow issue in the engine room, so Jenkum goes to fix that. Right as he's getting done with that, the fire suppression system fails and almost burns him to death, so Jenkum goes and fixes that. Uh, then the arboretum's fucked up, so he fixes that. Then some electrical problems, fixes that. Then... His greatest challenge of all, a toilet blockage. <laughs> uh, which from who? From him? He's it the has, only. He's, he's the be. only one awake. That robot's not taking a shit. No, that robot's not clogging that fucking toilet. Like, <laughs> so and and it's funny because he's like, uh, the robot's like uh, fire suppression system failure. He's like, Jankum will fix it. And then it's like uh, yeah, Ar- well, arboretum failure. He's like, Jankum will fix it. And like electrical problems. Jenkum will fix it. Toilet blockage. No, Jenkum won't do that. You're the one who made the shit, Jenkum. Yeah. Literally clean up your own shit, Jenkum. Clean up the poopy. Like, if you don't fix that, you're going to, like, overflow <laughs> the fucking bathroom with your own disgusting turds, you fucking crazy weirdo. Also, I like this, because I, I feel this is, like, also the origin of where he develops talking in the third person. Because he's not at first. That's true, actually. Then, I never and, thought about and, that. And then it's just like, state your name. Uh-huh. And then he, and because he wasn't talking in third person initially. True, and true. so then, like, he kept saying, like, state your name. And so he yeah. had to, pre- yeah, you know, and, preemptively and go. Being alone for a long time, you know, I used to work on night crews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, being alone for a long time, you will start talking to yourself mm-hmm. inevitably. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, straight up. It's, straight up. It's, it's bad. Yeah, he has to be constantly has to state his name before he's like, Jankum Pog, fix it. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, because the computer keeps on being like, state your name and request. Yeah. He's like, Jankum Pog's going to fuck you. <laughs> I don't care what you made out of metal. I'm going to come all over it. I know you got a flashlight in there somewhere. <laughs> and if not, Jankum will fix it. Oh, he probably has one in his robot hand. Oh, true. Yeah. Sick. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, he took the biggest fucking shit ever and doesn't yeah. want to clean it up. Big old Duke. Yep. And uh, he gets more and more frustrated uh, until he finally hits the computer again and everything starts working perfectly, including his bowels, which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, I wish Jen- that happened to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I fucking hit it with a wrench of 20 ounces of black coffee. <laughs> yeah. So that seemed to have worked. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, nice and empty. Hell yeah. 
Jenkum asks the computer if he can finally rest, and the computer says, yeah, you can finally rest. Takes out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Executes him. Good night, Jenkum Pog. <laughs> Thanks for fixing everything. Uh, so right as the cryopod cover is going over his face, an alarm suddenly goes off, and the robot tells him oxygen levels are depleting. Jenkum gets angry and yells at the robot, who then informs him his yelling and anger have depleted oxygen so much that there isn't enough for thirty life si- the 30 life signs on board to survive the entire journey. Jenkum asks, what if there were 29? Which apparently is good. Yeah. It's literally just him. <laughs> uh, as he's leaving, he tells the robot that if the crew asks who saved them to tell them his name, and to have them shout it from the stars. But then the robot's like, state your name yeah. and request. And so he's like, fuck this. Jenkins <laughs> yeah. Pog doesn't need your robot shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, but I'm going to fuck you one more time before I leave, <laughs> bitch. He should have left a big old shit in there. Oh, yeah. Leaving and then be one. like, uh, someone needs to fix this. It smells awfully bad. <laughs> help, S- help, so help, silence. help. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it's starting to fester. Well, maybe that's what happened to everybody. They're not still in cryosleep. They probably died. <laughs> they, <laughs> like the, shit, the shit just like... Had a, that, that, the shit gained sentience and <laughs> ate them all. Yeah, the shit had a cascading effect that just brought down everything. <laughs> Love it. Um, so Zero tells Jenkum that he's a hero to all those Tellarites uh, and calls what he did a noble act. Gwyn tells him he's royalty, if anyone asks her. Rock and Murph give Jenkum a big hug, and it's actually very sweet. I really yeah, like that's this good. moment. Yeah, they're tell they're saying like he's a king. Here's mm-hmm. your crown, king. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big baby for for like you know really nice validation for stuff like that. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. It's always nice to see like someone do something heroic, and then someone recognize him. Like yeah, good. You're, do- you're good, doing good stuff. Good job, Jenkum Pog. Yeah, we love Jenkum, especially because it doesn't always make him the most uh, relatable or uh, yeah. You know, he's he's kind of a grumpy. He's not really a a foil for the viewer at all. Uh, no, at a, for many viewers. Yeah, he's sure. he's cranky, but has a heart of gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love Jenkins Pog. We do love Jenkins Pog. And mm-hmm. Jason Jason Manzukis yeah. fucking does a phenomenal job. He's, yeah, he's just a, he's a good voice actor. He's a really good voice actor. Yeah, like he's he's one of those guys who like you know started in comedy and stuff, but he's funny and he has an interesting enough voice mm-hmm. and like his comic timing is good enough to where like uh, even though I'm you know, his voice is just kind of a modified version of his regular voice. Yeah. Because he's kind of a really loud guy like that. Yeah, he's he's been in a few things and mm-hmm. every single time it's like, okay, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that, I mean, that, he's, that he's, sounds he's, like Jason Manzoukas, but like his timing is so good and he like does so well with the material that he's one of those like celebrity-ish people that like I'm always happy to see do voice work. Yes. Um, You know, like, like H. John Benjamin. Yes. Like H. John Benjamin, like a lot of people like who have worked with him are like, yeah, I mean, obviously he's a good voice actor, but more than anything, like, we hire him because, like, after we stop recording, he'll just, like, riff for an hour, and that's, like, half the material we use. <laughs> like, apparently for, like, home movies, like, half of what Coach McGurk said was just fucking H. John Benjamin just, like, saying shit, mm-hmm. like, making up shit that Coach McGurk did. And, and they're they, just, like, writing it down. Like, yeah, and they're this... just like, yeah, well, that's part of his character now because H. John Benjamin is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's all fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. 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 He's on Benjamin. Super fucking good. Yeah. Um, so Dahl reflects on everybody's stories and says that he guesses we all have a past. 
And Gwen says, together they have a brighter future. Mm -hmm. Dahl suddenly realizes they never asked Murph (laughs) and asks him if he has anything he wants to share, to which he burps very loudly. (laughs) Whatever. This this, this is the moment where I'm like, oh, yes, I am watching a children's show. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because that's well, like what they expect. They know Murph. They know Murph yeah. is nonverbal. Like, yeah. they, like yeah. what are they expecting out of him? I mean, yeah, he was obviously going to do something like cutesy and stuff, but you know, like, I don't think it'd be this... funny if he just like spread his ass and just took a shit, <laughs> <laughs> took a shit on the thing. Like, oh, Murph, <laughs> you have anything you want to say, Murph? And he just like comes everywhere, <laughs> leaves, refuses to elaborate, draws a swastika, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Kanye's Star of David swastika. Yeah. They got him banned from fucking Twitter for 12 hours. Yeah. And then they're just like, then they're all looking at it. And the next scene is them like ejecting him through the airlock <laughs> and just being like, well, that's like the crew compliment was always, uh, always just us. Uh, there it was, was just us five. There was, was never a Murph. There was never a Murph. Uh, yeah. So right then, Hala Janeway appears and congratulates the crew, saying the proto star is prepped. Because uh, it's on prep now to prevent HIV. Mm, no good. By the way, if you have unprotected anal sex, highly recommend prep. Oh, I've never not. had unprotected anal sex. Hmm. I don't think I have either. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> don't get no poo poo in your pee pee hole. <laughs> That ain't right. That's not where that goes. <laughs> that goes in the other one. <laughs> so right then, Hollow Janeway appears and congratulates the crew, saying it's uh, prepped into charge. They make their way down to the engine room, and Rock gingerly sets up the protostar to charge. A light comes on to indicate it's working, and the crew rejoices. Suddenly, Zero asks Janeway about her story, what she was like before she was a hologram. Janeway asks the crew if they've ever heard about Molly, which is a great callback. Uh, Molly, if you never watched Voyager or don't remember, was the dog that Janeway uh, mentions from time to time on Voyager. And like, um, I don't know, was she in a relationship with that Mark or whatever? Yeah. Mark Johnson was, or whatever? That was supposed to be her husband or something. Was it her husband? Cause yeah. I, yeah, I, I didn't remember if it was like just her friend or something, but it was like the guy who was taking care of her dog while she was away, which is weird that like, if she was going on like a several year mission that she wouldn't take her husband along. Well, I don't think it was a um um a family ship like like um like Enterprise. You know, that's a good point. I guess I it was, guess yeah. None of them really did have their family, and the ones. Can you imagine did, how fucked it would have been well, if they had I kids mean, on there? Well, I mean, there there <laughs> were kids on there though. I think a couple kids from the Maquis though, and, mm, and no. also uh, they, fucking Wildman. Yeah, they didn't there, have. There, kids. Was, there were several kids. I don't think they had kids until uh, Wildman. There was Wildman the the, the boy right? Uh, Ick, boy. They brought in uh, Ichab. Yeah, and because uh, they, they, pick, they picked up the board kids, Where? but there was no families on the board. I feel like there were when they got the McKee on the first episode, but no. Mm-mm. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, there were fucking Kess. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was afterwards. Yeah, uh, uh, and then, but she has she has oh, no, she, were, has, she has a comp in years. They they were just transporting those kids for the episodes where Neelix was creeping on them. So, yeah, you know, so. yeah, yeah, like they they got on board. Yeah, like they picked up the board. And they're kids. like, yeah, we 
we still have a long way to go, but we can't stay here with that man. Because, yeah, because, like, uh, um, Wildman, like, yeah, she was the only kid on board. So all she had to hang out with was was Neelix. Right. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and so, I like, mean, no, I think, I think it was more him hanging out with her. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out his penis in her face. But, like, I did, I did like the episode where, like, they show, like, her kind of, like, educational kind of, like, is, holog- holog- is it holog- Sophie Wildman, is that her? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm. Sophie's Choice. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh. <laughs> So Sophie's choice when it comes to Neelix is uh, either uh, uh, put yourself out of the airlock or things I cannot speak of on this podcast. <laughs> this is a vulgar podcast, but there's things I'm not Neelix, no, not willing to talk about. But yeah, like she didn't have any friends until Ichab uh, yeah, yeah. came on board, mm-hmm. or friends her own age. She had Neelix yeah. and Wolf. Well, I mean, mentally, mentally, he's, he's about <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was, she was a, and she kind of surpassed his knowledge pretty oh, fast. Absolutely. Yeah, except about uh, CP. <laughs> no, no one surpasses no, his no. CP knowledge. <laughs> um, by that I mean Citizens on Patrol. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, the best uh, Police Academy movie. Yeah, yeah. The police Citizens Academy on the, Patrol. The one with Tony Hawk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on Patrol. Patrol. Yeah. Uh, honestly. My favorite fucking police academy movie, straight up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's like legitimately the funniest one. It's got some great moments. Three, three is pretty good too. I like yeah. three. I just I I love more than anything. Um, Zed. Yes, dude. Yeah, I had a toy Zed when I was a kid. Because uh, awesome, yeah. Because of the uh, police academy the cartoon. Sh- yeah, cartoon. I I also had that toy, and I also had the dog. Oh hell's yeah! And I remember I liked the dog so much. It was one of these things, so like a little rubber toy that like you put in water and then you squeezed it, and mm-hmm. then it like took up water, and you could use it to like squirt water out of the dog's mouth. And I remember loving it so much when I was four years old that I told my parents that when I grew up, I wanted to be a police dog. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, should have been cause for concern, definitely. Yeah, like my parents should have been like. Should we be more concerned that our our uh, kid is a uh, a furry or a cop? Yeah. <laughs> I I I honestly much rather have a furry for a kid than a, a cop. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like furries, I I stand with furries. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't stand furries, but I stand with furries. Yeah, like furries, you know, furries are other people. They have an interest that is definitely not for me. But you know, if they're doing it with their own thing, having harmless fun, that's totally cool. I worked with a guy who was like, one day he was just like, I think I asked him what he was doing for the weekend. He's just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to Philly and I'm going to a furry convention. I'm like, oh, Chris, I had no idea you were a furry. And yeah. he was just like, oh, I'm not a furry. I just I like I just when you get to my age, you take it where you can get it. <laughs> and so he was just going. Oh! <laughs> he, was just, he was just going there. He was just going there. He was perhaps. pussy cruising at the furry convention. Oh, not convention. pussy cruising. Ass cruising. Oh, or, or dick yeah. cruising. Yeah, he was he was looking to get I like this he, guy. He was looking to get fucked. This guy rocks. He <laughs> yeah. was he's definitely a bottom. Oh, uh, I'm pretty pretty positive. God, that rocks so much. How yeah. old is it? How old was he? What's just wild was like I thought he was much older because he had a, he, him and his twin brother. I worked with him and his twin brother. Right. His twin brother was straight and he was gay. <laughs> so, um, That's so crazy when that happens. And uh, actually, I, I actually dated a girl where her twin sister was was gay. Mm. I, I think. Her uh, twin sister actually uh, came out recently as like trans mask or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, but like then she's super femme. Mm-hmm. I dated, which it was like interesting. Yeah, totally interesting. Yeah, I worked. I worked with them, and like I thought, like I went to their birthday party. And I thought like they were turning like the, the both of them were turning like sixty or something. Mm-hmm. I think there was like their 40, 43rd birthday. I was just like, 
woof. <laughs> like that's it happens. You, you had let a hard life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but but it's, both, it's a hard life. Fuck, getting fucked by furries, I'll tell you. Yeah, both really cool guys, and both played in the bluegrass band, which is really that cool. rules. Yeah, I like everything about these guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, they, they that guy awesome. knows who he is. He's fucking cruising a furry convention, <laughs> yeah. pounded yeah. by fucking dudes in dog costumes. <laughs> yeah. Like that dude knows who he is. He knows what he wants. He knows where he can get it. Mm-hmm. And he's just doing it and being honest about it, yeah. which is really a beautiful thing. Like no judgment. I think that's funny. And if someone told me that I would bust out <laughs> laughing and like, but I'd also like put my hand out and be like dog pounded. That yeah. is wild. Shit. Oh yeah. I had nothing but mad respect. I'm like, exactly. go, get, go get fucked yeah. by a dog <laughs> or, a do- or a dog costumed man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> want to specify yeah that i mean that's some cool thing like let your freak flag fly like this is a non-kink shaming podcast that that's just fun that's objectively funny like i mean it's not funny in any way to disrespect that community or anything Mm -hmm. about it that's just fucking funny Flying across country to get fucked in the ass. Oh, this is this is in, in Maryland. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So he was already over there. So it was yeah, just yeah, it was take, taking, yeah, taking, a, taking a long drive to get fucked in the ass by a guy in a dog yeah. costume, <laughs> <laughs> which is objectionably funny. No matter. Yeah, yeah. Even if that's your fetish, like just vocalizing that yeah. just doesn't fit with our society yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's like almost non sequitur and how like wild it is. And I love it. I it love is funny it. though when I did come to. Uh, Seattle for the first time to visit before mm-hmm. I moved here. Like my brother lived out here. Like, um, like we were just out driving and we ended up like, and just being near the airport, near at that Denny's, and we ate at that airport Denny's. I've been there with my uh, dead racist grandma several times. <laughs> oh damn! That we went and ate there one time, and immediately afterwards, as she was pulling out of that parking lot, she saw two, uh, like Asian tourists, like taking pictures or something, and she uh, says, um, "Damn." Uh, I think she used the Chinese slur. Oof. That's uh, like, uh, you know, something in your armor. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm like, um, how, how, how do you know what kind of Asian they are? They could be Korean or something. Like trying to not just say you're a fucking racist, but like push it in that direction mm-hmm. kind of. And she says, oh, I don't fucking care. They're all the same. Damn. And I'm like, whoo. Ooh, this is this is why I don't visit you, Grandma. Even <laughs> though you're like 25 minutes away. Yeah, this is <laughs> too, too far. Yeah, my fucking Grandma. I have. A, I. I mean, I could do a podcast. I mean, at least just one episode on how racist my Grandma is, and mm. like, at least there's some very funny stories about it. Just because it's like so absurd, mm. and now that she's dead, it's funny because she's dead. Yeah, because someone like that shouldn't be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. Can't choose her grandparents. Nope. You know, thankfully I got some pretty cool parents. You didn't though. No. So you can't choose your parents either. <laughs> so, you know, you got what you give. We all have our own backstories, as yes. Gwyn says. Oh yeah, um, we all do. And Zero says. Yeah. And, and the point of this episode is. So the backstories, the preludes. Indeed. The the pralines, the dick and pralines. <laughs> yeah. the pralines, pralines and dick. Was that the thing from Wayne's World? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Janeway asks the crew if they've ever heard about Molly, the dog Janeway mentions from time to time on Voyager. And Not she the has, drug. 
Yeah. Then, then my, but, <laughs> that'd but be Jan- so. Janeway, y'all, y'all ever heard of Molly? <laughs> she's like, y'all, y'all want to? I don't know. Maybe get naked, try it out. <laughs> <laughs> she said, she's like, you know what? You know, let's get this party started. And she just holds out her hands and synthesizes uh, some Molly <laughs> and just like, just one. All right, you gotta want to drink a lot of water here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone got protection, a blanket. Good, good. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna. And she's like, and then she like cuddle puddle. I'm gonna bring the lights down and uh, got the music started. So let's do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the lights down and the toys out, baby. <laughs> Who's gaping first? <laughs> but no, Molly's the dog. Mm-hmm. Gonna turn this hollow Janeway into a whole Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing about being high gram. I can make as many holes as I want. Uh, um, you have two options, slave, the Janeway or the pain way. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that one. So <laughs> Janeway asks the crew if they've ever heard of Molly, the dog Janeway mentions from time to time on Voyager. And she has a picture of Molly in her ready room, I think, or in her quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it like has a shot of from time to time. And uh, she says that Molly was the run to the litter. And Gwyn says, sounds like Jankum, which Jankum takes offense at, um, which he should. Yeah. That's mean. Your body shaming, Gwen. Also, also, yeah, like, Gwen. also, you know, Jenkum didn't have a litter, right? Yeah, very <laughs> true. Uh, back with Admiral Janeway, she's looking at the Protostar crew and commiserating the fact that they were all kidnapped and sold into slavery. So she finally kind of gets the whole story here. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm, I'm, I'm misjudging these kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which is good because I mean we always know Janeway. I mean, for the most part, to be diplomatic and mm-hmm. like, takes take a lot of things into account and like really not make rash decisions until she knows the full story. Mm-hmm. And she seemed a little rash, but it actually made sense in the context of the series. Like she wanted Chakotay back, exactly. And and like Tysus actually like very specifically talks about it. He's like, you're being blinded by your emotions. Yes, and and he refuses to take the order from her to go into the neutral zone. So. This is all like very competently written and it's like yeah. it everything makes sense the continuity from episode to episode like characters make sense their actions make mm-hmm. sense and their lines all make sense to their character. Yes. So bravo. bravo. Bravo to all of the writers of Prodigy. And they have like a continuous thread that continues throughout the season. Mhm. But that doesn't feel overbearing. Yeah, because it's a, it's very much an episodic, and this this like episode especially was incredibly episodic. It just like it's like oh by the way we're just going to do like vignettes for a show. And I'm glad, and it's good because we we delve so much into Doll and Gwen so far. Right, right. And, and and yeah, we didn't like yeah. How did these you know? It is good to finally figure out where the other characters yeah. came from. And, and straight up, every single one of these backstories is well written enough to where it leaves intrigue and mystery and writing opportunities for more flashbacks. Yeah. Or, 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 or other like things like zero could come across, um, their, um, other Medusans. Yeah. Yeah. Zero could meet other Medusans. Rock could meet other fucking rock talk people and Mm -hmm. maybe figure out like how they got sold into being a gladiatorial fighter in the first place. And like, Rock could meet up again with the hero because they Mm -hmm. were obviously friends. And now that they could communicate, that could be a really fun story. Mm -hmm. Um, fucking Jenkin Pog could meet some of the Tellarites that he saved. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. And I like it. I like it. You know, it's it's well well written so far. Yeah, more possibilities, which is they say in and um and Italian's and, trek. And uh and uh at Olive Garden where you can get un- you can pair, you know, any any uh any pasta with a salad and soup. 
and unlimited breadsticks, of course. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Back to that. <laughs> Tysa says maybe it's not them they should be chasing and wonders who put the bounty out for the kids. Like, who would respect a bounty for children? Like, that, <laughs> yeah. this is like extra fucking fucked up. Like, I would, yeah, instantly dismiss it and be like, okay, these kids are in danger. Right, right. Like, <laughs> like how has no one seen this bounty? Like, because obviously Starfleet has gotten a hold of it. And, like, Starfleet should have been like, wait, who's going after? We need to find this diviner immediately because they're targeting children. The diviner belongs in jail. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Janeway reads that the order was issued by the diviner. And Tysa says uh, it's a serious name for what he assumes is a serious individual. Yeah. Uh, but not serious black, as played by Alan Rickman, who I will be doing. Mm -mm. Serious black was played by Gary Oldman. You're right. I was thinking of uh, Snape. Uh, Severus, Severus mm -hmm. Snape. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, I uh, I only watched up to the third film. Same. I, so far. I, I do not care <laughs> about Harry Potter. In fact, I, I, I think it's bad. Me too. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, was, I was actually surprised because I've only recently started like watch some of them. Uh -huh. I'm like, woof! This so, is this is what spawned like this uh -huh. whole, the uh, a nation uh, a worldwide obsession. So I, I'm gonna be honest. I it's it's in it's in my tattoo category along with like alt right tattoos of tattoos I will see and not fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Because because specifically of that too, tattoo, the fucking Deathly Hollows one, the triangle thing. Mm -hmm. And also, I fucked a girl with a nine and a fucking nine and three fourths or whatever. Oh, yeah. The train station the, yeah, the or train whatever station. tattoo. Yeah. And uh, you didn't recognize it at first, and then you found out, and you're like, no. No, I, I knew what it was. And then, mm -hmm. and then we fucked, and I'm like, that was as bad as I thought fucking a Harry Potter fan would be. Mm. Yeah. Then I, then I fucked a girl who actually had like a Deathly Hollows, but they got it covered up. Great fuck. Oh, good. Yeah. Because they were like, well, fuck trans rights. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you get, you get some dick now. Yeah. But I think they still have a Morrissey tattoo. Woof. I don't know. One I time I accidentally went to a, a Morrissey um, karaoke. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I was just like, that's got to be the most annoying thing. A bunch of white guys going, yeah. Like, yeah, my friend was just like, can you believe they're having karaoke at the auto bar? And like, it was like a bar in Baltimore that we always went to. I'm like, wow. And they've never had karaoke there. Let's go. Oh, why are all these gay fascists here? This <laughs> yeah. is weird. Yeah, I was just like, I was just a like, lot of people in Hugo Boss shirts. Yeah, so. I, we got there and we were like, why is everyone choosing Morrissey songs? <laughs> And then, like, then we're just like, man, that was karaoke only. And we're like, no. Record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got it. <laughs> yeah, my friend who told me about it, she's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's I, just, I just saw it was karaoke. I mean, to be fair, I would totally do that just to prank someone. Yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> that would, like, be objectively funny to, like, make someone go to, like, Morrissey karaoke. Yeah, it was awful. I was yeah, like, I God, why not just have just the general karaoke? Because like, they because they're opening up the stage that they usually had for like that bands would play on, which would be awesome to like to sing karaoke on. The thing is, like that would be something that would be I think like fun to go to, but yes. only if you knew ahead of time. If it was a surprise, yeah. it would be awful. Yeah, but if you were like. Hey, there's this fucking Morrissey karaoke going on next week. Do you want to go and laugh at all the fucking <laughs> yeah. idiots who like yeah. still like Morrissey? 
it, that would be funny. There like, was a, just there was laugh, a lot of people there for like, Bean Morrissey. Like, to just be like a table in the corner where you just continuously laugh after every song yeah. would be funny and no, fun. Like, yeah, we got there and I was just like, no, we're leaving. I think we had like one drink and then like once I figured out it was like the Morrissey thing, we're just like, let's get out of here. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna not this is not fun. <laughs> All right, we got one more paragraph here. All right. Okay, so uh, Janeway wonders if it's serious enough to jog their guest's memory, knowing, sorry, not knowing he himself is the diviner. Mm. Tysus informs her that he is with Essentia, and she goes to find them. Walking through the hallway, Janeway calls security and asks them to look for any information on the diviner and inform her of any findings. Janeway enters Essentia's room and sees her in natural form, uh, along with Dreadnought. Incredulous, she asks what this is as the Diviner sneaks up behind her and gives her a karate chop, knocking out Janeway. Yeah, I don't really see that in movies and stuff anymore. Like, people just doing, like, the knockout karate chop to the neck. I know. And, uh, yeah, that's, like, a totally Trek thing. Yeah. Like that, 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 that is very Trek, and I yeah. love that. Um, Fucking uh, Trek uh, influencer Steve Shives actually posted about that on, on Twitter. Like, oh, really? he said something about, like, for anyone who believes Star Trek Prodigy isn't real Trek, they did a one knockout karate chop or a one hit <laughs> knockout karate chop. What's more Trek than that? And I'm yeah. like, very true. Very true. Very true, Steve Shives. Yeah. Which uh, I, I recommend Steve Shives. He's a pretty good YouTuber. Uh, I don't agree mm. with everything he says, but for the most part, he's got a pretty fair opinion on Star Trek, and he's got a, a bunch of Star Trek knowledge. Oh, cool. He's a pretty, pretty, pretty good guy. For for being a, a white cis guy on, uh, on like, Star Trek YouTube, he's probably one of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Good. Yeah. So, uh, um, Janeway enters the room, karate chop. <laughs> uh, knocks out Janeway and then Essentia asks what he's doing the Diviner's doing and he grimly says ensuring the mission the mission's gonna happen hell yeah roll credits end of the episode hell yeah what do you think I like this episode a lot uh, I like like it, it it had like a natural situation for the characters to, re- to, to talk mm-hmm. and which is like you know something that that normal people do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just like it, it just it just felt very natural it just felt like it it, it felt like uh you know it was interesting and it was fun to ex- to expand on the other character stories and it just mm-hmm. it just felt it, it just felt like a good thing and just character driven type stuff and um yeah i like i liked it a lot absolutely and i like the furthering of the story like i like also like the background of the diviner like did we ever find out what the name of their species was i can't remember of the vandicott the vandicott yeah like i i like the, i like their or is there i'm, I'm kind of wondering if it is um there is some sort of like um misinterpretation of of the of starfleet's um um actions oh like, there obviously is because they're yeah. blaming starfleet so like their big conflict was starfleet came to their planet and did first contact and invited them to join starfleet mm-hmm. but the planet was so divided about joining or sorry the federation the planet was so divided about joining the federation that they annihilated themselves with civil war mm-hmm. which if you're like a solid advanced civilization that is not on the brink of war already Something like that yeah. is not possible. It was. It was just. It was just something that was awakening, mm-hmm. like or just like adding on to something that was already there. Right. And like, um, yeah, it, I'm interested to see what the full story is, and um, and uh, just see see where that goes. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was interesting to that yeah, stuff. Because interestingly, like it makes something very clear. It uh, the the diviner and the vindicator, um, or Essentia and the diviner. Um, it it was made pretty clear that both of them were on the opposing sides mm-hmm. of wanting the Federation in. Whereas like the diviner was super pro Federation. She was super anti-Federation. Mm-hmm. But basically, the civilization's only place that they could actually come together on something was in retaliation. For revenge. Yeah. And like, so so obviously, they were a reactionary race to begin with in some way. Yeah. So. Like, know. yeah, just very, like, yeah, and to the point where they pretty much, like, instead of rebuilding, decided to, to, uh, to uh, all individually go back in time to mm-hmm. possibly... Just kill, just just for the pro, for, just to murder, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which is pretty fascinating. And also, yeah, it was interesting that like she she's like, oh, diviner, like how dare you know you know you went against our code or whatever and made it made it made progeny, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, was, why, why not? You know, it's yeah. just like 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 yeah, they could have just rebuilt <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of like instead of like go instead of being so uh, driven by. Yeah. By war. Yeah, so punitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even care about their civilization. Well, they do, but, like, they're, yeah, they don't want to rebuild. They want to fucking punish fucking Starfleet in the past. No, I do wonder if, like, maybe that, that was the intention was to, like, send send the construct back and then kill Starfleet so it never came to them in the first place then change the future. No, that, that's what it is. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, ba- that's exactly what the Diviner yeah. said it was in the first. Oh, so I guess it is, yeah, I guess it is like sort of like get trying to get back to what they were. Yeah, but it doesn't really make sense because it would have been much, much easier for them to go back in time and warn their own people that they were about to be visited by Starfleet and to just like refuse first contact. Yeah, and that's it. And be like, yeah, you're in grave danger if you if you respond to the hails of of this civilization, you will meet your doom. Yeah. And like, you know, someone coming and saying that and then the ship actually showing up, the civilization should probably take that advice, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it this could have been solved much much easier. Mhm. Much 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 easier. Yeah. Much 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 easier. <laughs> it's so so the the basic premise of the show could be seen as a little convoluted in that way. But at the same time, I think the writing has been good enough and mm-hmm. they've kind of patched up all of my questions well enough to where I don't think it's a huge issue because I am kind of constantly surprised at the quality of the show and its writing. Yeah. I do like and I do like the like the like the mystery that surrounds the whole show. You know, you have Doll's backstory. Yeah, and they're they're and revealing this... things in due time in like mm-hmm. a really good order that like there's still intrigue and mysteries that remain. Mm-hmm. And like every time they reveal something for the most part, like it raises a new question, which I really mm-hmm. like. It's, yeah. It's good story writing. Yeah. They're telling a good story. I don't it's like it. Stuff. It's good. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not my favorite trick. It's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. And I'd say it's good. It's okay. Like it's, it's definitely better than average for the Like the whole series on the whole, I would give like maybe seven out of 10. Yeah. You know, I agree with that. Yeah. Like I, I end up, yeah. I mean, and I watch the episodes, I'm just like, yeah, focus, as I said. Like, you know, I'm interested, I'm invested in the story. Yeah. It's seven out of ten, but for, I'd say for, like, uh, the the second half of the first season so far, I mean, they've been pretty pretty constantly bangers. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd say that's more like an eight out of ten. Like, it's, the second half of the first season is, like, on par of quality of something like, I don't know, um, uh, 
TNG season three or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like it's it's definitely got where it's going, and it's not to its prime form yet, but yeah. it's it's definitely getting there yes. quickly, mm-hmm. which we love. Yeah, and I like and I like it. Like yeah, it's like even yeah for a kid show, it does have good writing. Like they're not trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, talk down to their audience. Like they're they're actually giving like interesting interesting stories, and it's not just obviously like a vehicle to sell toys, mm-hmm. or you know, just you know, just like you know, a lot of the cartoons we grew up with, you know, just be like, yeah, just a yeah, just like a vehicle to yeah for toy commercials, or just right. like or just something completely soulless. <laughs> Which I mean, there's no way they're not gonna like merchandise the show. Oh yeah, they're gonna. They, actually, I bet there's toys or something. I'm very surprised. So they actually only made a. A limited edition number of Murph plushies. Really? For just giveaway. They don't have like like figures or anything? I'm sure they do now, and I'm sure there's definitely bootleg stuff, but like for a while, they only had one Murph plushie that actually wasn't for sale. Oh, wild. Giveaway winners and stuff like that. And so a bunch of like influencers and stuff were asking Mike uh, or fucking like uh, the the Hegman brothers and shit and other Star Trek people for them on Twitter and shit. Mm. I was like, oh, come on. But. Yeah, I, I think I'd like a Murph plush. Oh yeah, look, yeah, they have they do have some pretty cool figures. Yeah. Oh, you can get a Jenkin Pog. Ooh, like that. You can get do, a you can get a. Oh, uh, do they have like a? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a Jenkin Pog and make a Jenkin Pog butt plug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he'd fit well into a butt plug. Just like shave his arms off, kind of make his head a little pointier. Make uh, a, his, his hair seems pretty spiky. I don't think that'd be comfortable. No, I'm saying you know you can you can just kind of shave it off and like shave it around. So or give or him a, give or him a cone head. Or encase him in um in polymer, so he's in the middle of a clear polymer. I guess. <laughs> I, guess. I or, guess. Or I could just put him in a mason jar and stick that up my asshole. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah, actually, their toys seem pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Alrighty. So. Um. Gosh, we've been going for quite a while on this. So, oh boy. Uh, would you like to do the Klingon word of the day? Yes. Get into it. Today's Klingon word of the day is duh, duh, which means ashamed to be ashamed. Hmm. Joe Brandon should be duh, that he's a little bitch, an anti-labor little bitch <laughs> anti- specifically, an anti-labor little bitch. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually, I think I forgot what it feels like to be duh. Yeah. It's been years. Oh, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I've lost shame long ago. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I've got like high levels of anxiety, but I think because of that, I don't really ever do anything shameful. Mm. Or if I do, I don't know. Like, I'm just not ashamed of like who I am and the things I do anymore. Yeah. I've, I, let, I let the freak flag fly. That, that, you know, that comes with like with age, I feel. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you get older, you're just like, you know, you're just like, you know what? I like being me. Yeah, you know what? It's like, I like what I like, and it's not for everybody. I realize that. But yeah. for people that, that like what I'm into, I'm the real deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm a bad motherfucker, motherfucker. Hell yeah, not really. I'm not I'm not a bad motherfucker. Actually, no, I feel Bad like... as in good. Yeah, okay. Yes. And I also fuck mothers, so. Oh, you're yeah. Not, you're not incorrect <laughs> on any of this, so. 
So that is technically correct. The best kind of correct. Hell yeah. I just, um, <laughs> uh, one of my fucked buddies is this mother whose kid just like turned 18 and like moved in with her boyfriend. Mm. So she's like empty nesting. Mm. Now let me tell you, empty nesting milfs. <laughs> wild. Nice. That's wild. That's like, it's, it's so cool that like I have the house to myself right now. Let's just fuck on the couch for two hours. I'm like, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> you, you, we fucked before, you know better than that. <laughs> I'm going to put a hot pocket in for 90 seconds. <laughs> and then put it in your hot pocket for a little less time. <laughs> this is going to be the done by the time I am. Damn, girl, you got that broccoli and cheese. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's a lean pocket, I guess. Yeah, that is a lean pocket. Yeah, I guess she's got a pretty lean pussy, yeah. I don't mm. know if that works. <laughs> What's a lean pussy? Eh, eh, it's, it's in between lean and fat. It's a good size. Nice pussy. Mm. Nice pussy. Do you think anyone has ever fucked a hot pocket or a lean pocket? <sighs> what do you mean? A- anyone in this room? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously someone has. Like, yeah. if, if you can stick your dick in it, someone has. Yeah. And, like, Hot Pockets are, like, a universal food stuff. But I wonder if they if they didn't wait for it to cool down. Oh, And no. then, like, and just got burns. Oh, it's like the question, do you, do you think God could microwave a burrito <laughs> so hot that even he couldn't stick his dick in it? <laughs> <laughs> and, the, proof, and send tweet. <laughs> <laughs> proof positive, we have no t- Yeah, we have no tuh. All right, so uh, with that, uh, yeah, we're going a little long. Let's let's do a very quick subspace transmissions. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Let's get into it. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Ooh, boy, we are into subspace transmissions. It's that part of the show where we dive into the Star Trek internet Hells and yeah. find reviews or things people said about the episode we just watched. So, for Star Trek Prodigy uh, Season 1, Episode 16 that we just watched, Preludes, uh, released yesterday, we are going to read Reddit comments because IMDb and none of the rating sites really have any user ratings so mm-hmm. far. Or they have user ratings, but no user reviews. Mm. So, we're going to start out with something that, um, what's this, uh, Persistent Inquiry says. says, um, Prodigy continues to deliver big time. If this keeps up... I may have to start considering Prodigy the best Star Trek show period, which is friggin' wild. I guess a lot of my feelings are really driven by how Prodigy lives up to everything Star Trek is about and constantly cherishes and advances the values of the Federation. I agree to that. I totally agree with that. That's totally reasonable. Yeah, it was, it was I, I, definitely pleasantly surprised watching it. I, I have been nothing but pleasantly surprised. Like, even the first half of the first season, because mm-hmm. I watched that all in like a day. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That was pretty good. Like, yeah. I, I, it takes a few episodes to get its legs, but once it gets there, it is consistent. Like, yes. after the like fourth episode, mm-hmm. there's not a bad episode, and I don't think, no. I don't think the first three episodes are really bad or anything. It just like it's finding its footing and it's building a story. Mm-hmm. And without those episodes, like nothing would really make a ton of sense. No. So it it actually works in a way, and I yeah. and like the consistency of the show is alarmingly good. Yeah, I because like. I I really wasn't expect going in not expecting no no anything when like this. when they were like uh, they're making a kids show that's Star Trek and uh, 
it's going to be 3D animated on Nickelodeon. Yeah. It's like, well, that's a lot of things I did not want to hear in the same sentence, but here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. And then, you know, recently when I caught up on it to review the second half of the season, I was like, I actually think I've been missing out straight up. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's good. It's yeah. good. It's, it's good television. It's, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, if your kid is into sci-fi and stuff, this is probably great programming for mm-hmm. a kid. Because, yeah. you know, it's a great introduction to Star Trek. Um, and, you know, it's it's good sci-fi. It's got good messages, too. So. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, it's good good moral lessons, mm-hmm. yeah. which, like, yeah. You... A good moral star, part one and two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and since it does call back to all the classic Trek stuff, it is great for, you know, tre- uh, adult Trekkies to uh, mm-hmm. indoctrinate their children into. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> Uh, if you have children, you probably don't listen to podcasts like this. But if yeah. <laughs> if if those two things are somehow true simultaneously, you're a responsible adult with kids and listening to this podcast, uh, and you're not showing them Prodigy yet, like it is definitely a good show for your yeah. kids. Like especially, I'd say, I mean, younger kids definitely aren't going to get it, but I'd say probably like maybe eight to fourteen. Eight yeah, to thirteen. I think that's a, I think that's yeah, age, older yeah. older kids like you know fourteen to eighteen are gonna be like this is gay. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> like they're not like, not in a good way. Yeah, but. they're gonna be like turn this fucking shit off. Yeah, but uh, you know young, younger kids, and then if you're a millennial too. Yes. And like Star Trek, you'll probably like this. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's kind of what our show is for. And yeah, so. we don't have any t- we don't have any tuh saying we like a children's show. Straight up. <laughs> you know what? Because. It, it transcends being a decent children's show, and it's yeah. just good Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, which is all I ask for in Star Trek. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I want to, like, see a hopeful future yes. where, like, people are working together towards common goals. Yeah. And, you know, there's good ethical, moral lessons, mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a lot of new questions raised by a world that we we hope to live in one day. Yeah. Which is what this is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's 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 dark and gritty to a good effect, but like, and it's not like super hopeful and optimistic like earlier Star Trek, but mm-hmm. they do it in such a way that like at the end of the episode, there is a feeling of hope for the most part. Yes. Sometimes there's dark reveals and stuff, but for the most part, like at the end of the episode, you're like, well, everyone's safe and like the team worked together and it was a good lesson overall. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Mecha Pebbles says one day ago... <clears throat> People have speculated that the episode titles of the season finale Supernova had to do with the prelude to the destruction of Romulus. But this episode reminded me that the U.S.'s protostar has just that, a protostar inside of it. Mm. Uh, Which is an interesting idea. Uh, I think it's more likely that we might see our hero ship in danger of exploding or maybe even just straight up detonating altogether to save Starfleet. Mm. That actually makes sense, like, them actually having to blow it up. And it actually makes me wonder why, like, um, you know, fucking Chakotay didn't send it into a sun or something. Yeah. He sent it, yeah, because he sent it back in time where they could just go and get it. Yeah, instead they sent, yeah, he sent it back through the wormhole with, with, uh, uh. Potentially, da- like, well, with a dangerous um, piece of technology on mm-hmm. that can destroy Starfleet. Right. So it's just like, so wouldn't the assumption be like, if he did send it back in time, like Starfleet was going to find it and then like be destroyed by the construct? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, flying it into the sun would have been the only moral. It would have made a lot more sense. Made way more sense. That like, would have been 
a moral star. Yeah, moral star. <laughs> yeah, but it would be like yeah, Chakotay um, um, stranding himself in the future on an, yeah. on, an on a hostile alien and, world. And you know, I'm the. I think at this point, I have enough faith in the writers to mm-hmm. where if they introduce like a plot hole. Mm-hmm. I have faith that they will find a good way to explain it in a good enough way. Yeah. And so I'm expecting a, like a Chakotay kind of back, flashback forward, whatever mm-hmm. kind of episode where they'll explain that adequately. Yeah. His, yeah. Cause like, yeah. Cause we are hearing like this, this information secondhand from mm-hmm. someone who hates Chakotay. <laughs> and you know what? I, <laughs> and, and Starfleet. I, I think this is the episode where at this point I am going to just straight up give the benefit of the doubt to the showrunners, creators, writers, technicians to we're like, unless proven otherwise, I think Star Trek Prodigy is good Trek. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I agree. Especially for like being on his first season. Like it's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Plus like, and also I was just thinking like there could be a thing where, you know, they showed like how the construct is kind of indestructible. I wonder if like a son may not do it. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. And that, that might be, yeah, exactly. And so I, I assume that might be the case. And so I'm, I'm, I'm giving trust in them yeah. to explain it at some point, but well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. So moving on, we get to Praxlin uh, says, the Von Makat are a bunch of spoiled brats, it sounds like. I think the tensions on their homeworlds were already high enough that the Federation extending an arm to them was just an excuse to declare war on whatever factions rifling their society. Yeah. And then post-war, blame the Federation as a way to keep the survivors in line. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Yeah, I I agree with that, because, like, that uh, happens mm-hmm. here, like, all of our conflicts. <laughs> yeah, and once again, I'm trusting the writers to actually, like, include that idea in there. Yeah. Yeah, like, be like, uh, yeah, the Vanukat were just categorically wrong the whole yes. time. Like, this was all their fault. Yeah. Like, the Federation just did a first contact and said, Hey there, like that's all, that's literally all they did. They like, they weren't in the wrong. This is just something they routinely do. Yeah. They found another warp capable species. So like that's, that's protocol. They introduce themselves because obviously like, like another warp capable species is going to be there on the intergalactic stage. Mm -hmm. Like, so they're going to have, they're going to interact anyway. So it's always like Starfleet's best interest to introduce themselves. And yeah. And like, you know, they obviously, it's a weird thing too. Cause, uh, um, uh, Essentia says in this episode that like, why would we ever join the Federation when they are the only ones who have something to gain? Mm-hmm. Which honestly actually doesn't re- really make any sense because obvious Star Trek or sorry Starfleet does have in Federation does have some superior technologies to them, like something like the Proto Star. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have anything comparable to that or yeah. anything of that level of technology. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that like the Federation and them both had something to gain from this deal. Yeah. Unless there's something they're not letting on at all. But, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, next we got a comment from the nerd chaplain, who we have a comment from almost every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, that was good to see the backstory on some of the characters that we don't know so well. I noticed that the Kazon were hanging out with Klingons in the place where Rock Talk fought. So I wonder how far they were roaming. Same with Jenkum Pog. How far out was that Tellarite ship? I did think it gave a bit of neat explanation for why he always talks about himself in the third person. Yeah, yeah. Great work from Jamela Jamil and John Noble as well here, filling in the Vonnegut history. Yeah. I assume uh, John Noble is the diviner. Yeah, yeah, he was like in um, he's in a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, he he was a uh, he was a uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. He's the guy that eats the tomato. That's right. You told me that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. told me that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that rules. All right. And uh, it's getting kind of late. We're almost uh, 
touching two hours here on this podcast. So wowie zowie. Oh boy. Um, this is like the fifth hour we've recorded so far. So, <laughs> and we've got another probably two or three hours to go. Ah! Oh boy. <laughs> It's going to be a long one. It's been a long show. <laughs> Getting from here to there. I got a long dick. <laughs> it's kind of like a piece of spaghetti. <laughs> Maybe angel hair is some kind of pasta. But it's definitely got the cheese on the tip. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Mia Chef's Kiss. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, we did it. We made a better, better song, better theme. Yes, good job, everyone. We did it. <laughs> Uncertain error says, uh, "Always lock the door." No, that was the last voice I used. Always lock the door when you're revealing treacherous secret identities. Rookie mistake. Nice starship callbacks yeah. in this one. A Prometheus class, a Medusan ship from remastered the original series, which mm. I, I didn't even realize at yeah. all. And a Tellarite ship from ENT, which wow. I did realize, and that was cool. Because mm-hmm. they did have a bunch of Tellarite transports and stuff on there. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. We, we we like all that. It's all, it's like, that is just such good fan service. Just yeah. little things, little nuances that let you know that these writers and the animators, someone involved in this production process really likes Star Trek. Yes. Or even if they don't like Star Trek, they've researched it a lot. Yes. Which is very, like, heartening. Like, that Mm -hmm. makes me, as a a Star Trek fan, it's so cool to see someone crafting a Star Trek that you not only get, but there are, like, Easter eggs that you don't even get Mm -hmm. sometimes, because I'm sure I've missed some stuff on here. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's always fucking way cool to find out that, like, you know, Trekkies are writing Trek. Yes. Because I don't feel that way about card and discovery no <laughs> no no i feel i feel like they tried to go for the nicholas meyer thing and they're like well we need to bring someone from the outside who hates trek yeah to make it something new and i'm and so they made just something that you know is alienating as a trek fan yeah because they're trying to make something that's not for you no. really or they think it should be for you but that's them dictating that it should be for you mm-hmm. i don't want to dictate what i watch yeah like, I'm going to watch all new Star Trek because we have this fucking podcast. <laughs> but, you know. Whatever. Hey, but I will say, you know, if it wasn't for the podcast, I probably would have never dipped my toes into Prodigy. And or your balls. Or my balls. I'm going to stick my balls in it. Hell yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. If you haven't checked out Prodigy, check it out, Hell motherfucker. Yeah. Highly recommended. So, uh, with that, it's just about time for the end of the show. But before that, we're going to say thank you and goodbye to some people who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, boy. It's time for the red shirt obituary. Oh, yeah. Well, the awaiting was in a pinch. Then somebody had to die. So thanks a lot. Time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember Crewman Ramos, an enlisted member of Starfleet who served on the USS Enterprise under Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Or sorry, USS Enterprise D. Uh, Crewman Ramos succumbed to injuries caused by a disruptor blast from Klingon criminals Chorus and Conmel after they fashioned a makeshift disruptor and escaped from the brig of the Enterprise. Hmm. Ramos served honorably and died in the line of duty. 
Dennis Maldone, who portrayed Ramos, would go on to be the stunt coordinator for Star Trek The Next Generation, starting in season three. Hmm. So rest in peace among the stars, crewman Ramos, and thanks for your contribution to the greater good. I guess. R.I.P. Bozo. You done did it! You done did it! Well, that's the end of Ramos, and that's about the end of the show. Uh, Hey, Patrick. Yes. we want to see you online, talk to you online, reach out to you and say hello. Reach out and touch Faith Hill. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> that's stalking. Reach out and touch Faith Hill. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't do that. But uh, if we, if you want to stalk Pat, that's totally fine because he's not a celebrity. No. Um, so where can we stalk you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Potomac Bomb. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can find me at Soy Trek anywhere. Just fucking Google it. I'm yeah. there. I'm on like all the social medias. Mm-hmm. Just look up S-O-Y-T-R-E-K. I'm going to be there. S-O-Y-T-R-E-K. F-U-C-K <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess with that, Captain's Log. Supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 23 says, nothing is more important than your health, except your money. Yeah, yeah, get that bag. Hell yeah, baby. All right, thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong and shocker.